For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. There's a story I mentioned in the papers yesterday morning. It was making the Times UK and the Telegraph, and it's a front page of making the mail this morning. Big, huge, black print headline saying the end of our father in the Lord's prayer. So this is um, the the God's pronoun, if you like, is now under scrutiny. Priests concerned that gender neutral terms may be just a step too far. Um, a gender neutral God is the uh, first paragraph at the end of the our father prayer might well be just a step too far for parishioners or indeed maybe traditional parishioners and traditional priests but then again you never know uh, so at the moment it's our father who art in heaven it could well be our god who art in heaven or our father and mother who art in heaven or they who art in heaven i'm not quite sure but they drill into it in quite an amount of detail this morning uh, into a prayer that uh, as they say in the mail this morning it dates back more than 2,000 years. And this step too far, if it's deemed to be a step too far, others might say it's all to do about inclusivity. Uh, everybody's got an opinion on that. That it could provoke some sort of a backlash. So it's the front page of making the mail today. Your thoughts are not welcome, incidentally. Text 0868-104-106. But when they went to print uh, the newspapers, the death toll in the Turkish-Syrian um, earthquakes and unfortunately it continues to climb but the, when they went to print 12,000 was the number they were they were using as, a, as a, a death toll count if you like I know it sounds often even saying that but this morning it's, it's, uh, it's past 15,000 confirmed dead after the earthquake and many people are becoming very frustrated particularly in Turkey because of a lack of emergency equipment, a lack of emergency personnel, a lack of um, specialist advisors as to how um, people could be taught and advised how to dig through rubble. Um, and of course, 72 hours is well past now and um, they're starting to really give up hope of finding any survivors. Uh, there'll be a big inquiry into this though because a lot of those buildings apparently were supposed to be earthquake-proof and yet they fell and flattened from the roof down uh, like pancakes. So that continues to make the papers today. We'll have more of it throughout the morning with regards to people who may want to help with regards to either money or aid. Um, there's a lot of work going on in the city, ongoing, and I assume we will awake some morning in some month of some year when it's all completely finished. Uh, and I know that there's a, you know, a route and a passage and a procedure you have to go through. I mentioned that because the front of the Echo this morning takes about, talks about Coburg Street. So that would then lead on to McCurtain Street. And Coburg Street is, is closed uh, to, to traffic and what have you at the moment. And the business owners, while they get it and they understand that it's going to be great and it's going to be a busy and more vibrant and a greatly enhanced area when that all that work is done on Coburg Street. But they're just reminding those that are doing it to do it as fast as you can and be aware of footfall and the businesses in the area. Uh, meanwhile, footfall in and out of Cork Prison. It's pretty much acting now at 100% or working now at 100% capacity. They clocked it at 98% there recently with regards to the amount of prisoners that are actually in uh, Cork Prison. Um, I won't go into the, the actual details. The total number of prisoners in the system on a particular day that they looked at was 326, where Cork Prison only had 296 beds. Uh, so I don't know how you would do the maths on that if it gets any worse. It's full, which is bizarre, actually, because they replaced the old prison with the new one, and that filled up fast. And now we're asking questions again. Is the, is the prison too small for people who are going to prison? Um, and what's the story with the second prison? You know, um, there are those, of course, that are before the courts regularly. One of the more bizarre ones is like something you see in a Hollywood movie, almost reminiscent of 
kind of Thelma and Louise stuff like that. But there's a woman who's before the courts um, for well, apparently um, uh, Michelle Harrington. She's from from Mahan. She was before the courts for things like entering a property to carry out a theft and, and a second one then of being in possession of stolen property in Glanmire and stuff. But the most serious charge from the court reports yesterday was that um, um, on, the, on, a, on the same date, you know, with regards to the stolen property in Glanmire, uh, she, as they, she was a passenger in a car that failed to stop for the Gardaí. And then she allegedly leaned out the window of this car and started throwing glass beer bottles at the guard of vehicles that were following and clearly, uh, obviously, as they said in court, created a substantial risk of death or serious harm. So all that's before the courts at the moment and uh, there'll be more on that one with regards to sentencing later in the month. Um, I don't know how many people actually end up in court for physically or verbally abusing people involved in healthcare, uh, be it a nurse uh, be it a doctor, uh, be it a porter, people engaged in all sorts of work within our medical and hospital systems. But the front of the red tops today, like, for instance, the mirror says, spat at, abused and stab threats. This is one nurse in particular who reveals um, the daily hell of working in Ireland's crisis hit hospital. A paediatric nurse revealed she was threatened with being stabbed as she left work. She says, I've had grown men, six foot four, towering over me, throwing objects at me. Uh, Now, if you drill into it even further, you will also see quite an amount of nurses from overseas who are working here who are very worried and frightened about their jobs because they are being racially abused at work. So very, so verbal attacks take different forms. Uh, and it's just going from bad to worse with the papers this morning drilling into it in quite some detail, including the Mirror and the Star. But the Sun today then is, is talking about um, Bertie Hearn and the return of Bertie Hearn. And I also see it in, in the Star where they call it Bertman Returns. Um, and the reason that they figure that Bertie Hearn is back within Finfall as an ordinary member which means as an ordinary member, he pays his annual subscription of €20 uh, and he's back within Fianna Fáil, which is interesting because 10 years ago, leader Michal Martin at the time indicated that Bertie Hearn was not fit to be a member of the party. So I suppose you do your period in in, in limbo, if you like, or in, in political rehabilitation or something like that. Uh, I think it's 11 years now since the uh, adverse findings against him in the Mahan Tribunal. But he's back now. But anyway, to cut a long story short, they figure he's going to run for president in 2025. Would you vote for Bertie Hearn for president in 2025, lads? Uh, if so, why so? If not, why not? Text 0868104106. Um, and, you know, I, I haven't seen the show. I don't watch Eurovision um, qualifications I don't think we've been in the Eurovision since 2018. But so we got to get our act together in that one because it's costing us a fortune not to qualify. It's also mortifyingly embarrassing. But apparently, talking about mortifyingly embarrassing, the there are those Eurovision experts making the front of the sun today who are lashing out at the atrocious sound and the peanut butter giveaways when Wild Youth bagged the slot for Ireland's Eurovision entry. Um, and they're talking about maybe trying to revamp the production, that it shouldn't be a, pro, uh, a studio production, that it should be in a big concert hall, right? For effect and atmos and things like that. Apparently, it was pretty rough. Now, Ryan Doherty's come out to defend what the Sun this morning are quoting as the embarrassing Eurosong. I mean... <laughs> What's the point in giving out free jars of peanut butter? 
mean, what was that like? Was it sponsored or something? Somebody, of course, who put on an incredible show would be Madonna. But she's getting an awful lot of grief over the past few days. And it all has to do with her looks. Um, and I don't think it's anybody's business if Madonna decides to have work done on her face or any forms of surgery or Botox or filler or whatever the case may be. Apparently, she turned up at the Grammys on Sunday night looking quite puffy, they said. Um, and you know what? Maybe people should mind their own damn business. She's come back and she said, the world is threatened by my power and my stamina, my intelligence and my will to survive, but they will never break me. This is all a test. Um, she says she's now a victim of ageism and misogyny. And of course, then all of the papers over the past few days have been printing and, uh, you know, like almost like a catalogue of photographs of Madonna all the way back uh, to the early 80s, back to the, and in fact, the back end of the of the 70s from into the early 80s with Like a Virgin. Different photographs of her all through the years. I mean, if you do that with any of us, there would be big differences. Some are suggesting that the only problem with Madonna is that as time goes by, she seems to get younger looking. I don't know. Uh, a lot of musicians have actually been making the papers over the past few days. If you ever wanted to see why Twitter can be such a nasty, nasty place, there's a story making the Times UK which I didn't get to yesterday. If you're a fan of Pink Floyd, right, then you'll know who David Gilmore is and you'll know who Roger Waters are. Is They don't talk anymore. They were always rowing and falling out and falling back in and falling back out again. Um, and, and many of us who are big fans of Pink Floyd were always hoping that there would be some sort of a Pink Floyd reunification. Uh, Rick Wright died, sadly, a couple of years back, and so the full reunification of Pink Floyd will never happen. It'll never happen anyway because of Waters and, and Gilmore just not getting on. But apparently, um, in a Twitter spat at the weekend, Polly Sampson, who's David Gilmore's wife, had a right go at uh, Roger Waters. And it's incredible the things people say. She says, you are anti-Semitic to your rotten core. She says, you're a Putin apologist a lying, thieving, hypocritical, tax-avoiding, lip-syncing, misogynist, sick-with-envy megalomaniac. <laughs> All right, call him some names while you're at it. Meanwhile, to love as opposed to, as opposed to hate, they break down the most loyal breeds in the mirror this morning. Um, they break it down into top tens. I don't have time for the, to give out the top ten, but the top five most loyal breeds of dogs, apparently the German Shepherd the most loyal dog of all they're saying, followed by the Golden Retriever, the Cockapoo, the Labrador Retriever, and the King Charles. I'm glad the King Charles gets into the top five. Uh, so they're the most loyal. Um, and then there's a different one called the most affectionate. Is, is there a difference? I suppose there is a difference. The Cockapoo comes in at number one, the King Charles number two, the Labradoodle after that, the Pomeranian, the Pug, that's the top five. They're kind of the breeds of dogs that just like to lie around all day and are happy in your lap all day. Happy doing nothing all day. But I hope your dog's in there. Why are they talking about that? I suppose it, it, it's anyway kind of twists the story on Valentine's. You know, you talk about Valentine's amongst... Ho- I'm sure that there are Valentine cards for dogs. I'm quite sure there must be somewhere. Probably somebody's cornered the market. Anyway, text 0868104106. Time for a couple of updates. The Neil Prendeville Show. Gold winner for interactive speech program at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Court Red FM. Yes, indeed. Uh, just update-wise from where we started yesterday morning with those horses in Ballyvalan. Thank you for highlighting the issue with the horses in Ballyvalan. It's beyond belief that in this day and age, travellers are still allowed to continue with this type of cruelty if they are traveller horses. And the indication to me over the past 24 hours from an awful lot of people is that they are traveller-owned. 
Um, there is not a blade of grass nor water available to those poor horses. To make matters even worse, having broke out, looking for food is the reason they broke out. I would guess they were rounded up by the owners, put back onto the land. Um, and lo and behold, Cork County Council assists them now apparently by putting up a gate. There, have been some, there has to be accountability for this kind of cruelty. And as for the sulkies, it makes me so angry watching them flaking horses up and down the White's Cross Road. There has to be an answer and it has to stop, uh, says Olin by text, or sorry, by email uh, to Neil at uh, redfm.ie. But just with an update in this regard, Lisa, good morning. Hi, Neil, how are you? Right, just to pick up on where we were yesterday morning, what happened subsequent to um, what we did on air yesterday? Well, I was on to Vincent Cashman and he very kindly said he was going to go out and check on them and give them some feed. So I was thrilled. I headed back there about 25 past 12 myself to go back to Carrick and all the horses were gone. Gone, yeah, weird, isn't it? Gone, like gone gone where and who moved them? I don't know. I have searched every field all the way out to the countryside. I went up the back of Carignabar. I did that yesterday evening and again this morning. I've only found one horse who's still in the field tied. And there's a kind of a gate gone up now, which wasn't there yesterday. It was a bit of a, bit of a fence that's kind of like a gate. They obviously heard me on the radio talking to your good self and rounded them up. There was just manure everywhere and they're gone. I can't find them. How did you move that many horses so quickly, do you think? I haven't seen it done, but they only had a couple of hours. They must have literally got every horse box that they had and came and took them. Okay, so you, you don't think it would have been... You don't think... I'm checking with Vincent Cashman. I, I don't know why he wasn't oh, checked. No, it We're wasn't checking. Vincent, so, no, but but it wouldn't have been my lovely horse or the, the no. Cork, home, Cork Horse Rescue, nothing like that? They wouldn't have the facilities to move 25 horses. No way. And I would have found out because I've made a few phone calls trying to find out has anyone seen anything. Um, I'm just hoping people, your listeners, will look out and see if there's horses suddenly appearing in fields nearby um, and that we can find out where they're gone. I feel really upset now because I don't think Vincent was after getting there on time. Yeah, I wonder where they went. Yeah, no, I I only heard, I only literally heard 20 minutes ago that they were moved within a couple of hours yesterday morning and by whom I don't know and to where I don't know, you know? You think that those whoever whoever owned them, in inverted commas, moved them? Yes. All right. Well, I did see one horse box on the road later on in the day in that area. I won't say who owns it, but, you know, um, they obviously moved them really, really quickly. But I'm just concerned to find out where have they gone now, because you can't hide 25 horses. They have to be in somebody's field okay. somewhere. Okay. If they could ring in, okay. that would be great. So All right, see if we get more updates them. on it. Absolutely. Stay Thank in touch. You. I'll talk to Vincent and Thank see if he's so got much. any news on it. Thank you for that. Uh, the issue with these horses has been going on for months. I have rang horse wardens and guards numerous times regarding this situation. We live in a new private estate in White's Cross where there are young children out on scooters playing and the horses jump from the fields onto the main roads and also into the new estate to get at the grass in the housing estate. I've been told by the guardie that they send cars when they can. Even outside of the clear neglect of horses, this is dangerous to children. Nothing done. It's disgraceful. Uh, My lovely horse rescue and cove rescue horses uh, you should perhaps be talking to. They might be able to help or to pass on details to people. Thank you for that, Vicky. And that this that's just a selection of two, actually, from lots of texts from yesterday morning. Can I just mention one thing? This morning, while coming in on the, the South Ring, uh, I was sharing the drive this morning. Kevin and myself were, were driving. My own car is being serviced, so he picked me up and we were coming in the Lincoln. There was a big 
traffic delay was really, really slow uh, and clearly something was amiss. But we were just chatting because we eventually came upon the problem. It was four cars, um, you know, all stopped together, one behind the next, behind the next, behind the... Seamus says there was five. Maybe I miscounted. It was something between four and five. Um, but it didn't seem to me, like as we were passing, that there seemed to be much damage or indeed any damage. So I don't know about that, but, but sadly... All of the misfortunes that were in the car were out on the side of the road. It was very cold. But you had literally maybe four, perhaps five cars. You might have seen it. One behind the next. And he was saying, and Kevin said to me, I pity whoever was the last car because that, that's the car that would be caught for the insurance claim. And I thought, surely we'd have got that wouldn't be the case. That it would be the car that came into the car, came into the car, that all of them would have to pay the first car. Um, do you know what I'm saying? You'd have car number one might break and the second car would hit. Then the third car would hit it. Then the fourth car would hit. And then the fifth car would hit. And that the insurance claims then would go back through car, through car, through car. All except for the first car. Maybe somebody out there might be able to uh, clarify that one for me because... um Interesting, you know. Thankfully, everybody was fine. They were just they were just standing there. Uh, but it just goes to show uh, how easily these things can happen. Um, in another scenario, maybe a little bit faster, uh, you could have had four or five cars with a lot of injuries. It didn't seem that way this morning. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Red FM. Okay, text already on uh, the update on horses. There are horses up at the back of White's Cross uh, behind uh, particular fields that are mentioned here. That um, That's where they were yesterday evening anyway. And somebody says there's at least uh, a 10 or perhaps more after appearing in a field next to Napiershig. Uh, they're after coming into Parkland's estate. There are also horses on the Commons Road. But a number of people ringing already this morning say they could very well be the same horses that were moved and people are sharing videos with me of horses on the road and traffic stopped and cars and taxis literally having to attempt to drive around uh, stray horses on main roads. Um, and there they just are, just right in the middle of the roads. Um, I was driving, actually, just quickly on this, there was another incident that I saw this morning Got an email in, and she's very upset, actually. She says, I was driving down the old Blackrock Road last night, and a young girl who was walking her small black dog, um, black in colour, and a driver somehow managed to hit the dog, even though she seemed to be walking with the dog on the footpath. Um, That's astonishing, from the old Blackrock Road last night. The driver drove off, and I can still hear the cries from the dog. The driver drove off, even though there was around five of us stopped to help her, she just picked up her dog and ran away with the dog screeching in pain. Um, that's that's the kind of thing, you, you know, you would really, like, I want to get my dog home, I want to get home to my mammy and my daddy and I want to get help. Um, I wonder if you could maybe mention this on the air. I can't stop thinking about the poor dog and how hurt the dog was and the poor girl who was walking the dog. Uh, I lost my own two dogs in a house fire last April. Oh, my God. And the screeches from this poor baby, I just can't take. I need to know that the dog was okay, and hopefully it was just a little injury. I know this may sound random to you, but I don't know where else to turn. I was just that upset. The driver didn't even stop. And the poor girl running down the dark road with her poor dog screeching. I just can't get it out of my mind. Um, So I've read it out, and thank you for it. It's a shocking scenario, really and truly. Particularly that somebody would just drive off, never mind the fact that she was walking on the footpath, you're saying, with the dog, and then to drive off like that. 
not in control of a vehicle if they're driving on the footpath to begin with. But anyway, if anybody has any information on that, or indeed if it was your dog, um, I hope everything's okay. Maybe you could bang me off a text, text 0868 104 106. Uh, and then um, I heard you recently about the horses in, in, in White's Cross. It's an ongoing issue for years in the area. The horses are constantly being moved from the fields in White's Cross to the fields, say, for instance, in Rathcooney. The owners of the horses do not own the land on which the horses are grazing. I've witnessed this firsthand, these horses in fields without feeding. Uh, I dread this time of the year because from now on it's a regular occurrence in our area to find ponies dead in the fields. In some cases, the poor horse dies elsewhere and is dumped on the farmer's land. The farmer then has to pay to have the dead animal removed. A dead pony was recently discovered in the fields in the Rathcooney Road area. Even though this has been reported to the relevant department, the dead pony still has not been removed. It's so sad to see the way these poor animals are treated. In some cases, ponies are tied in a field and left without adequate food and water for weeks on end. This cruelty has been going on for years and it's time for the various departments to do what it takes to protect these defenceless horses, uh, says Mary by email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. Back to the phone lines we go. Sarah, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? What can you tell us about um, this story? So I live in one of the houses in White's Cross. I don't want to say too much information about it because the people in the travelling community come up here so they would know kind of the area. Okay. Um, and why would that be? A, okay, all right, fair enough. Because yeah. they have to drive in through this estate to get to that field so there's only a select amount of houses. Okay. So they'd know it's kind of either or. So they moved them up here yesterday. I was listening to it yesterday morning. Now, this, they have them in all the different fields through all the cold weather. They were left there they weren't touched. There was nobody came to them. I've been feeding them myself, but they're smaller horses. There's foals there. So I was speaking to my lovely horse rescue yesterday. The foals can't eat. But she said that's because they're so young, they don't know how to eat. So myself and another girl that deals with my lovely horse rescue were giving them like apples, carrots, lettuce and things like that. And were they eating those? The bigger horse was, but the younger one wasn't, and we couldn't figure out why. So we got onto my lovely horse rescue, and she said that's why he's actually a young foal. He's probably only after being born, um, and that's why they can't eat. Now, the travelling community then were up here yesterday, running them around the field and stuff. They did bring up, um, they did bring up some horse feed for them and left it there. Um, I haven't seen the horses well, yet. Was this when we were talking about this on the air, that they arrived with some kind of food? This was at about four o'clock yesterday. Yesterday afternoon, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, They're gone now, though, are they? The They're there this morning, um, but the travelling community, no, they're not. They're gone. They left at that time yesterday and they haven't been seen since. Okay, well, you know the 20 to 25 horses we were talking about yesterday morning? Yes. In, in the Ballyvalan area? Right? Yeah. Okay. They're gone, aren't they? There's about four of them in the field here, and there's about another four in the field behind. Right. I don't know where the rest of them are. Uh, they could have been up around Parklands, apparently, and up around the Pearshigan fields in that area. Yeah. 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 I drove past myself yesterday after hearing me on air, and 
somebody came, put a gate up, blocked the horses from getting out, and that was it. Apparently the council did that yesterday at some stage, to block them yeah. in. Yeah. And it, but we're trying to figure out who owns the field. We don't know who owns okay. the field. That's but who owns the horses? It's somebody from the travelling community. Okay. And why have they so many? I'm, I don't know. It's disgraceful. Like, you see, they, they tried, this is a brand new estate. They tried to take a sulky out. There's a hill, let's say, to get out of the estate. Three of them on the back of the sulky and the poor fella dropped on his knees and trying to get him up the hill and they got off him. I mean, to be looking out your window at that. The like, horse dropped to his knees, is it? Yeah. Yeah, trying to get him up the hill with the three of them on the back of him. Now, he's a big horse. They just couldn't do but it? He couldn't. No, he couldn't. No. It's very sad, isn't it? It's very cruel. It's, it's, and to look out your window at it, you know, like, like, how do they even know that field was there? This is a, it's a private new estate. So do you have sulkies coming and going often? That was the first one that I saw now and then they came back in with him and that was the only time I saw it. That okay. was about three Weeks ago. Oh, but do you not see them coming and moving the horses, taking them in and out? No, not much, no. I, I kind of don't want to see it because it's it's not nice to look at me, to be honest. Looking out your window at it, knowing that you can't really do anything about it, you know. Okay, well, something needs to be done about it because uh, this something is a topic to of conversation way too often. I know to, I'm after speaking with my lovely horse rescue about it. I'm after speaking with another person I know that's in another animal organisation about it. Like, they seem to be untouchable for some reason, okay. you know. All right. Okay, a lot of text on it. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, with regards to the abuse of the horses you're describing, why do you continue not to call it out as it is? These are travellers' owned horses, settled or otherwise, says Sean in Mallow. Um, I'm happy to read out the text. Um, I always just err on the side of caution as to absolutely knowing who owns or is responsible for them um, but I'm happy to read out the text if this is the case that they are owned by members of the travelling community and being used as status symbols or indeed for sulky racing why don't you call it out the way it is it's the majority of the travelling community who have these animals and it is just nothing short of neglect uh, he's afraid to say who owns them <laughs> Neil when the dogs in the street in Ballyvalan know who owns them it's happening all of the time. Uh, we all know that these are travellers' horses. When is this country going to do something about travellers and horses and get some kind of legislation to protect them? We see this all the time in Mahan and other parts of the city, says Desi. So it's not anything exclusive uh, to White's Cross, Ballyvalan or the Parklands area of Mayfield. Mahan as well. I've, I've, I've seen them. I've seen sulkies on the road down down around Mahan. I hate to say this as I love all animals but the owners in inverted commas don't care for them uh, then they should be destroyed immediately. Laws have to be changed to stop this hor horrible culture. Isn't that the saddest thing that you would suggest that the best thing that could happen to the horses is that they would be put down? The elephant in the room as usual Hugh, here I am, more criticism travellers um, when the horses when the horse was driven into the river in Black Rock some years ago you gave the owners a very easy time. I hope it will be th different this time and you'll call it as it is. 
There you go. Text 0868104106. I'll come back to that throughout the course of the morning when I get a further update as to uh, what's been happening since yesterday morning. And maybe Vincent Cashman would have a steer on that one. But I ran out of time yesterday when talking about the aid that's needed for Turkey, not just Turkey, but also Syria, uh, following the earthquakes there some days ago. 15,000 is the last count with regards to the loss of life. God only knows how many tens of thousands of people have been injured and hundreds of thousands of people who are homeless. But during my conversation, just finishing up yesterday morning, I was talking to uh, Pamela Cregan, whose husband uh, is in Turkey and actually he's in Kusadasi, but the rest of his family home would be um, on the Turkish-Syrian border. Uh, very, very much in the earthquake zone. Pamela, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? So, as I was saying this morning, even by newspaper standards, um, when they went to print last night, they were quoting ten to twelve thousand people had died. This morning, we know it's 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 past fifteen thousand. Any updates? Yeah, I was talking to Mehmet there this morning. I'd say um, Neil from their talk in in Turkey on the ground there. They're looking at um, 40,000 people. Um, unfortunately... 40,000 dead? Yeah. And and let us yeah. remember, these are all ages from babies upwards. Oh, yeah, that's it. It's the young and the old and the disabled and the ones that couldn't get out. Yeah. That just couldn't get out, that are left with nothing. Now, um, Neil, where he is, is it's hot. It's on the border of Syria there. It would be the farthest part nearer the border, obviously, going yeah. to another country. Yeah. But they struggled to get to them. So, unfortunately, they're going to probably have the, one of the biggest casualties of death there because uh, they couldn't get the rescue in. The people there couldn't get out and the people out couldn't get in because their roads were treacherous, their roads collapsed. And then everything went went against them. The weather went against them. Even last night, now his sisters had um, they had came out of the the town hot and they were moving and they had to stop because they came on roads that were unpassable. Mm. First, because of the earthquake, and second, because of the weather. So at the moment, no people that are are, are being um, there's very few being rescued now at the moment. But those who are being rescued are already deceased. And if the earthquake didn't get them, the weather got them because it was minus nine there last night. Are you saying that really it's a recovery of bodies from now yeah. on? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I and it's the cold now that will get anyone that was there. And indeed, yeah, it's the, the cold that will get the get survivors anyone. too. There was 36 hours, a good 36, 38 hours gone before they saw any rescue. They were screaming down there. They were screaming for help. There was, I was watching videos and, and Facebook and all stuff and just uh, normal women begging the, the the world to look at them. They had nothing. They had nobody. Now, that's not taking it from the other counties. Media, yeah, media got in there, all right, for sure. But there's an awful lot of criticism of those from the from the president down who were leading the rescue, wasn't there? Yeah, because, well, yeah, yeah, they just they just couldn't get in. Now, to be fair, England got on board. There's hundreds of countries that had to get in on board. Uh, I was very surprised to hear the Greeks sent in people there, and I was delighted to hear Mexico sent in their, their best rescue dogs. They saved 16 people in their own volcano or earthquake there a couple of years back. Rescue dogs, But, yeah. like, it was really, really slow for the Syrian border and for Hatay, which is Turkish, 
it was very, very slow. So like it was. And, and Time's running out, though. Time's running out for survivors. The criticism was of yeah. the president uh, Erdogan, and he actually admitted that there were shortcomings with regards to the rescue operation. They were they caught. Were they were caught out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were, they were, they were caught out. And at the moment, no, as you said, it's it's just a recovery situation. It's terrible, terrible to see. I got a photograph from uh, Mehmet's niece yesterday. She was up at the. Um, the sports stadium there, her, her brother was very much into soccer. Yeah, he's playing with hot ice. But she just sent a photograph in where Ray, Ray uh, was so happy is now our cemetery and all the bodies laid out there in oh black bags. Oh, my God almighty. And labels yeah. on some, no labels on other. And what's really hard from is their culture is uh, east to west, as you know, you're buried east to west. And, uh, um, because of them being Muslim, it, like if you die before the sun comes up, you're buried before the sun goes down. So they can't do that either because there's people waiting to uh, be identified because some families are just wiped out. <sighs> there's nobody to identify them. And is your not. husband's family in Hattar? Are they all safe? Because I know that neighbours died, yeah? Yeah, they, his cousin, his wife and his two children died. Oh, really? Yeah, but the, uh, uh, even in death, uh, they were lucky, God love them, because they were found within hours when the rescue did get in the veggie, they were found which is which is a good thing in a bad situation because at least they have their they have their bodies they're able to. I work. know the aid agencies and the charities, the likes of your Trocra and Red Cross and, and people like that, they're looking for people to donate money so that things can be bought on the ground. Yeah, but I know I, that. I, yeah, go I ahead. Would, I, w- I would be I would be I would be one hundred percent behind Red Cross um, for reasons that their administration fees and their big wages and big wages and to be fair to them. Well, and and I, I'm involved in a lot of fundraisers all down through the years and community, Marymount and a lot of other things and I always look up to see who take the most money but to be fair, Red Cross don't so that's who I'll be sending I've done a fundraiser myself You worry about who you give it to because some of it gets yes. eaten up in salaries and, another and admin thing that so, yeah. we, were, we were talking about last night I was talking to him last night and he said that he believes there's some people now on social media scamming saying that they're going out, them, out there themselves from all over the world. This is not from Ireland or any... any looking for money, is it? Yeah, yeah, saying that they're travelling out there and they're looking for money and sure, like, there's bad people everywhere, Neil, isn't there? So, like, yeah, just be careful of that. On my own Facebook page there, I'll send it to you there now in the, in, later on, Neil. I have the IBAN numbers, which is very, very easy but, um, for uh, the Red Cross and a few other... Um, oh, family, that would be yeah. fantastic. And we'd share that then. That's a good job. Yeah, well done on that. Yeah, I asked the I bank for that. So, and then that's legit. You can just go into any bank. I'm not sure if they're accepting revolution I bank. I haven't even tried because... Oh, what? Yeah, but well, send it on anyway. Send it. We'll share it. But, oh, what, but what's the story then with regards to footwear and, and clothing and okay, so at scarves the moment, no, and underwear? I started, yeah, I started in the peel. Well, I thought it was a smaller peel. The other night has become huge. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, Thankfully, Emily and Pat in Morgan's Daybreak on Tremor Road, they're accepting items because they have a little storage outside the back of the post office that they're putting them into. And tomorrow then we're going to bring them to another area in Oakland who also started one there on Tuesday and they're going to drive them up to the... That's Alton and the the Movage and Storage Company, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they're going to drive them to Dublin and then the Turkish Embassy is going to put them on Turkish Airlines and they're going to take them out there. So what's really, really, really needed and I'm really pleading for at the moment is people need to understand that the earthquake is now hopefully and I'm hoping that there won't be any more because the tremors are really bad. 
people are sleeping on the streets. They can't go into the building. They can't. They're not allowed, number one. And number two, they can't go in because they're, they're really, really scared. I mean, I said to Mehmet, what way was Nori and Mustafa? He said they're really, really scared. They're really, really scared grown men that, that fought in the army, the Turkish army, and they're scared. because There uh, still are tremors then, are there? Yeah, and he said that was the, one of the one of the strangest earthquakes they ever will remember because usually an earthquake will will rattle you. You go left, right, left, right. It came up through the ground. He said it came up like a rattlesnake. It started from the bottom and went all the way up to the top, and that's how the buildings just dropped. I said, are they new buildings? Some are new, some are old, and not even sold. And in, in, in hot, I am speaking about now. But he said that this this earthquake would have knocked knocked the Taj Mahal. It was so powerful. God Almighty! But even listening to you, you'd be frightened even listening to it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's horrendous because I know Sky News is doing stuff and CSN and CNN and um, um, Euro News, but I'm watching the Turkish news and I, I I've had to turn it off. I've had to walk away. I haven't thought of anything. It's hard to sleep thinking of it. So imagine how they are. I, I think the fear of it would kill me, not a mindset, on the bat. A young baby's been brought out, elderly people, and this village is hot. It would be one of the very old parts of Turkey, but very modernized, let me tell you now. It would be real modernized compared to what it was all those years ago. But like, it would be real elderly, elderly, elderly people and disabled people, and their families would be after moving back there after doing their time serving, their work and retired and back down there. And there's huge schools and there's a huge um, college down there. So there's young and there's old and there's babies, there's mammies. I hope there's not another earthquake. My God, it must be awful to be outside in that kind of cold, wanting to go in, being tempted to go indoors, but not doing it for safety reasons. But yet you're freezing out on the streets. That's what they're worried about because they're on the Anatolia line there, which is one of the, as I believe, the second biggest fault of, of earthquakes. In the world, and like, yeah, they're, they're saying that at any time. And that tremors are still 4.1, 4.6, 4.3, which is, which is an earthquake. I know, to them I know. A tremor. So okay. what we're really, really, really pleading for is sleeping bags, duvets, preferably unused duvets, sleeping bags once they're washed. Um, as, as for hats, scarves and gloves, I think they're okay for them now at the moment because I, it's one of the huge, huge factories in Istanbul got involved and they've sent thousands of hats and scarves and stuff like that. But like really kids, um, babies, uh, nappies, um, like soda cream, you know, stuff if you were at home and you were planning to get your baby dressed to go out in the winter. Yeah. Use your own head. I'll give you out, I have, I have an extensive list actually that some of the Turkish community yeah. gave me yesterday in Cork. But, um, yeah. but it's still not clear as to where drop-off points should be. I okay, mean, so there isn't anything at City Hall. I have Dunn's, Tesco, Aldi, Lidl, Super oh, Value. Have no. any of them got what, on board? What, what, what I, what I, where I know of at the very moment now is Ovens, and I have their uh, air code. I'm going to send you all that there now. And, all right. and the, the thing. There's break, uh, Daybreak Morgans on the Tremor Road. Thanks to everybody that has dropped there already. Keep coming. They're, everything's welcome. Um, and then there's um, the boys in Nasta. You know that. The boys in the hair, hair salon uh, on Joining Street. And I think they're this morning. I think there's one on Alphabrunk Street. And I know um, Mehmet's Turkish Barbers in Carrick Tool that they're doing it. But can I just say, every Turkish Barber all over the city, all over the city, 
they all know each other. So even if you if you can't travel because you can't have a car, but you do have items, give it to one of Turkish barbers and they'll pass it on. Every they little helps. Yeah, yeah. Do that. yeah. Okay, I'm going yeah. to endeavour to put a list together as soon as possible to find out who's doing what and where. So you oh, send yeah, me what yeah. you have as well, okay? Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. I need to, can I just say, just, to say, just for everybody, just to know that, like, I know we were, were fantastic when it came to Ukraine and Russia and all of that. This isn't a war. This is this is a natural disaster. Nobody asked for this. Yeah, I so know. they really, really, really yeah. need help. It's a, it's, a human, it's a humanitarian crisis, absolutely. Yes, okay. and it's an imaginable suffering at the moment, so they really need help and everything, everything, a euro, right up to whatever you can afford. If you Send can me help. on what you have then and we'll come back and deal it with it again Thanks this morning. We'll update it. Thank You're welcome. You. Thanks. Do stay in touch, Pamela, if you have any updates. That's Pamela Cregan. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Yes, indeed a little bit of housekeeping I want to wish and I know I'm late with this and my apologies for it but Sheila O'Mahony of the Golden Guards happy 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 birthday it was a birthday this week and I didn't get to it on the day but your daughters Siobhan and Deirdre and all of the families and everyone that knows you wants to wish you a happy birthday so job done so happy birthday to you Sheila and my apologies somebody sent me an email but I got it way back on the 28th of January and because it was so far away from the birthday it, it just didn't get done so my apologies to that um, and in fairness Lisa says I know you have an awful lot of emails to deal with but it's my dad's 90th birthday on the 8th of March I was keeping a close eye on the email and then I didn't get to it yesterday being the 8th of March so a little late Uh, so happy birthday uh, for the uh, 8th of March yesterday dad's 90th birthday just wondering if you give a shout out on your show for his birthday and also to make it very special uh, my dad is going to see Johnny McAvoy at the Cork Opera House on the 5th of March do you have any contact uh, with him as it would be such an honour if my dad William O'Dwyer to get a birthday happy birthday request and also maybe a happy birthday at the concert if it's possible I understand but I just wanted to ask but anyway I just wanted to wish uh, your dad a happy 90th for yesterday so happy birthday uh, to William O'Dwyer and I'll pass on your email details to the Opera House and we'll see what happens they may well be able to make it possible I don't think there'll be any problem with uh, Johnny McAvoy giving your dad a shout out from the stage I say that's easily done uh, so thank you for that and happy birthday to him um, in other news just with regards to uh, horses who are treated cruelly or left to starve and to freeze unfortunately what happens is they will be euthanized by council but as an equestrian I would soon I would rather see that done rather than the suffering and the cruelty that's inflicted upon them, that they would be euthanized. And that's very hard for me to say as a horse lover. But until our laws are changed, these horses will continue to suffer. And by the way, we all know who owns them. Uh, Thank you for that. Lots then on John and an update with regards to his plight in a slaughterhouse. He has a second meeting with City Council on the 14th, which is early next week, and we're expecting good news. Poor man, God love him. The council loves to remove people from the list, you know. I've been removed and had to go through the process of reapplying many times. Uh, That man, John, is still living in these serious conditions. Uh, The city councillors have housed him straight away. This is nothing short of a joke. And for God's sake, let him keep his dogs. They've been more loyal to him over the years than human beings have. Others are saying that. Please don't separate John and his two dogs. Surely someone somewhere can help him. Lousy that he needs to give them up. Uh, Seriously, we can house asylum seekers as soon as they arrive. Yet John must wait while they vet him 
and take his dogs. It's disgusting treatment of an Irish citizen. Great praise to you guys, though, uh, for helping the poor man. Hopefully he won't have to wait longer to get out of those hellish conditions. Um, Now, uh, John's file was not lost by City Council, incidentally. Um, And, you know, our understanding is that they never had any documentation in the first place. Now, if people were promising to make representations on behalf of, of John, maybe that never happened or nothing was done in writing or email. Could have been word of the mouth. But City Council is saying... They just have no, absolutely zero records of anything on any file. But then again, that's why people will say that they got lost. So I I don't know. I mean, I'm not here to attribute any blame, just to to get it sorted. It could be the case that with the dogs, right, they, they would be on a restricted breed list. But in spite of that, with the dogs, John could find himself in a little house that has no gardens. Like, for instance, if it was Madden's Buildings, there is no garden. It's just a small little area at the back, like, uh, you know, a little yard. Uh, so that might be the case in this. It might be just that the property that he's going to get, fingers crossed, just might not be suitable to keep dogs, you know, uh, particularly in an area like, say, for instance, Blackpool, where they, you know, they're walking. And then again, being on a being on a restricted breed list, you couldn't have them out roaming the streets, even though Kevin was up in the abattoir and described them as very friendly dogs. You, you just never know. Anyway, back after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. It's great to be talking about up and coming gigs, isn't it? And the changing of the seasons and mentioning that Rod Stewart uh, is playing live at the Marquee on June 20th. But an extra date was added this morning. So due to uh, demand, they've put on a second uh, Rod Stewart gig and it's just been announced. So not only is he playing the 20th at Parky Cueve, he's also playing the 21st of June uh, live at Parky Cueve as well. So that's just been announced. Not one, but two uh, Rod Stewart gigs. And undoubtedly, both of those will most certainly sell out. You heard in the news there at 10 o'clock the uh, different areas where you can do drop-offs. I'll update the list of drop-offs throughout the course of the morning uh, for aid for Turkey. Uh, and we're talking about raincoats and boots and sweaters, trousers, gloves, scarves, beanies, you know, the beanie hats, um, um, socks, uh, underwear, uh, tents, bedding, mattresses, blankets, sleeping bags and vacuum flak, flak, flasks and things like that. And then baby food, all sorts of baby food and nipers and all sorts of different hygiene products are needed and sanitary sanitary pads and food boxes, non-perishable foodstuffs, canned food, things like that. Uh, and and also the, the aid agencies are appealing uh, for money because they're saying they can buy a lot of what they need closer uh, to the actual disaster zones. So that's happening with regards to your Trocara and your, your Red Cross and stuff like that. But yesterday, Evren, who's got Nostra Restaurant on Marlborough Street, said that, as an example, the restaurant is taking as much aid as possible from people. And also, number four, Drynan Street. Uh, and as well as that, ICOT, the English College in Ballant Temple, is also accepting donations. Um, and indeed, there are other locations which uh, I'm going to be updated with throughout the course of the morning as drop-off points. So there you go. And incidentally, just a recap again, Rod Stewart playing live at the marquee. Not one, but two gigs and just been announced this morning. Tickets went on sale this morning as well, incidentally. So it's June 20th. 
and June 21st. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. Big response yesterday to cash or at least um, the amount of businesses now that are uh, refusing to take cash and they just want everybody to tap and go. Lots of texts on that, but calls as well. Uh, Liam Bonner, good morning. You think you think that um, is this inevitable that we won't actually? I just don't seem to be able to get the the, the correct phone line for that guy. So you're gonna have to come back to me when that one's sorted. Uh, so we'll come back after the break if you can sort out that phone line. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Corks Red FM. And hopefully we'll be expecting more announcements with regards to the lineup for Live at the Marquee as the weeks unfold. But two Live at the Marquee gigs now for Rod Stewart and tickets went on sale for both of them this morning. Big response to cash. Yesterday people were talking about the fact that notes and money is actually quite dirty. Not everybody agreed with that because somebody said, are you really allowing people to say that farmers and people in construction are dirty? No, no, it's just, it was a bank teller was saying on the air that a lot of the time they would have people coming in from working outdoors or working on farms or working in construction. Their hands are filthy and the money is filthy and they're big wads of dirty money. Mind you, um, about five years ago, a texter was right when they say, they came out with a statistic, I don't know how accurate it is, that 80% of banknotes have traces of cocaine on them. So there's a lot of different stuff on notes rather than just dirt. Anyway, to the phone lines we go. Luke is standing by. Bonner, good morning. My apologies, I had you on the wrong line. Good morning you. You, no you, you you think that this digital footprint that we leave behind would be quite detrimental to people if they need a loan or a mortgage, is it? Well, yeah. I mean, the reality is, Neil, it's, you know, there's, there's all these kids are going out and they're, work, they're using 100% of cards and, on, you know, non-cash payments. And every, every trace of their history... Everything, every transaction they do anywhere, nightclubs, bars, betting, an awful lot of kids are betting now on, online as well. And it's, uh, you know, they're applying then for mortgages and stuff like that. They hand in, the, you know, they have to do bank statements and stuff like that when they're doing all these financial they reports. Do, the bank would look at their history, wouldn't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I warn kids, and I, I, anybody listening, it's be so careful of all that, especially with gambling, with, with, with so many kids there to do these online bettings all the time. Would you say and that a bank wouldn't touch you if you, were a young, if you were a 20-something or a 30-something looking for a car loan or a bank loan or a mortgage and they saw online betting payments? It would be it would be a lot of problems for you, and I, I know somebody they, they they think they think that was the, the the reason they got turned down a few years ago, so they stopped doing it, and uh, they said that, that it was a lot of online gambling on his account when him and her went for the mortgage. Bad risk, they'd and say. it was a lot of online gambling, you know, and yeah. it's um, and of course nightclubs. But the other thing as well on that, Neil, I I I, I know always use cash. I I, I always take old cash if I go for nights out in pubs, whatever about restaurants. You don't mind the card thing, but um, and you know Paul Dolan made a very valid point yesterday. On what you know on the bar and restaurant, what his transactions are, and to be honest, I didn't even think about half of it. Like I would always been cash, but say when I was in the Rotestown Inn, it was mostly cash. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I'm only handling X amount of money. You know, I do a yeah. lodgement on a Monday morning, and maybe if I had a good, if the weather was good, well, I, uh, I might lodge again. I, on I a think Friday. there's a security issue as well for somebody that's turning over yeah. 1,100 customers on a Sunday. Could you imagine the amounts oh, of cash yeah. on the premises? Yeah. Absolutely, and I didn't realise that he made those points. Well, they were very valid points, you know, on how much cash he would have to. He would have to hire a security company. You would do an awful lot of uh, keeping a lot of stuff back to count the cash, to count it, all the transactions at the end of the night. So you could understand that. Okay. So just on that point, with regards to the okay, just with the point with regards to the younger generation, is this a warning to say? 
take cash out of the bank when you want to socialise because your footprint that you're leaving behind with the bank will come back and bite you in the ass at some stage when they look at what you're spending your money on on your st- on your um, on your you know because the tap Absolutely. because the tap will leave a history. Absolutely. I mean, if you're if you go in for a mortgage, if I was going in now and I was trying to look all professional and stuff like that, and you have a financial report, and it's go, it says inside in Reardon, it's 120 euros. It said inside in this bar, inside in that bar. Then online betting, that's a whole different ball game. But even to see all those transactions, and it's not, it's certainly not going to do you any favours. And the reality is as well, Neil. It's a, a big difference these days when you had a scenario before where your staff would, would um, you know, you're dealing with cash, and, and your your staff, you know, you're open to get robbed from staff and so on all the years back when you hadn't got you know the, the a, a much better system in place but the reality though is he said that that, that could be anywhere up between 2 and 3% of turnover could be absolutely uh, what would you call yeah, a wastage or slip yeah yeah, I had an issue myself back in the world's end. It was, um, you know, we we had, you know, we had to get in, uh, we had to get in private detectives to to go through on a night, and and we were having, you know, we were we were doing stock takes every week, and it was equating to a lot of cash being taken from the place. So we got somebody in, we got in private detectives. We we, we spoke to them on the phone, we emailed, we never we never met them, we didn't know who they were. Yeah. And they do a job for you. And they come back and they had a report. They had, this guy is up to this and this guy was up to that. Oh, how does that work? And does the um, private detective just come in and observe? Is it as if they're a customer? Yeah, they come in They come in for a drink. They walk in for a drink, sit at the bar, and nobody knows who they are. I don't know who they are. And uh, they'll just observe on the night. And they're, they're, they're watching every transaction. They're watching every movement, you know. So it's a, it was a good service, you know. What happens but in the, that case then? Is, is that a reprimand or would that be a sacking or, or what? Well, they would they they would write a full report if you wanted to take the thing to court. You know, they would stand by that. If you want, if you were getting a scenario where that was an ongoing problem, they will they will um, give you a certification saying yes, we will we will uh, they, we will stand by this in court. You know, yeah. and that's and that's but what they would do. Typically, that, that wouldn't happen, that. would it? Typically, but you know, restaurants and bars typically yeah would just typically. let the person go and say you're a thief and we can't have you exactly. here. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, just uh, but another word of warning with, with all the kids as well. I tell you a funny story there. About a year ago, I was out with a gang of lads, and we went into well, I won't mention the bar. But we, went in, we went into a late bar. I went to the bar. I called a couple of drinks, and uh, here's the funny thing. It was twenty two forty, and I remember clearly because we hadn't you know I wasn't out that I wasn't out that early, so we were out late, and um, I remember seeing twenty two forty transaction, and he said, "Oh, that didn't go through." So then I put my card through. Done it, and when I saw my bank statement, did did a couple of days later, twenty two forty came out within a few seconds of each other. Twice. So that was the barman caught me for twenty two forty. And was that intentional? They, 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 Absolutely, no question. Because they can see it went through, and it's gone. Oh, it didn't go through. And I put the, I, I put the card in, and I put in my pin this time, and it went through. And I know for a fact I didn't call two rounds because we just went into the bar, you know. Okay, but how do you and know I, it wasn't a genuine? But I mean, how do you know that wasn't a genuine error? I mean, how could that member of the bar staff get their hands on the twenty two forty for themselves? Easy enough. When you you get a cash transaction, then later on. And they get to do a cash, cash transaction. Oh, I don't want to give too much information yeah, on here to yeah, tell them yeah. what You do don't it, put the cash transaction through your pocket. Yeah, there's ways, exactly. There's ways to do it everything. Oh, and my it's, God. Uh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, and it's easy done. And I knew for a fact. No, I didn't do any more about it. I kept saying I must call it to the person, the owner. And I, I just, you know, went out of time and it's a long lapse since. But it just shows you. And imagine all the kids going up inside the nightclubs, ordering loads of shots, doing shots, calling the drinks. They're not even looking what they're tapping. <laughs> tap, tap, tap. They don't know what they're paying. And, and, and this, you know, this hand in the till business, is it prevalent enough with some staff, is it? Well, I would say it is, Neil. I mean, that was me. 
on a night out the rare time I use cards. You know, that's really I use a card at a night out. I but would, would publicans in and big super pubs always be writing into their profit and loss that they are going to get skimmed by certain staff members? It's inevitable. Well, you see, there's, there's the, that's the difference of the old days with cash. Me as the publican was getting skimmed. No, it's the customer getting skimmed. You know what right. I mean? It's a yeah. different thing. So, yeah. like, they caught me for the 22 quid, and he'd get the 20 quid out in cash, so the till will balance out fine. Yeah. You know? So yeah. that's the difference. In the old days, I would have been caught for cash in the bar, and that would equate to stocks. That's how you find out. But nowadays, it's a very different thing. So that's that's where they have to be so careful. And I'd say to kids, go over the night out, have 100 quid of cash in your pocket, you know what you spent. Good stuff. You know, Good it's stuff. So, Good stuff. It's, Good so, stuff. It's, so, it's so different. So, yeah, just a word of warning. So Cheers, my man. Really. Take care of <laughs> stuff, as always. Uh, great to have you on board, Liam Bob. On a regular contributor. Text 0868104106. My husband is just back from San Francisco. He was there for a week. He couldn't believe that every pub and restaurant he went into said no cards taken, cash only. He actually had to go to the bank to get out cash. So what's going on there? They've got signs up saying no cards taken. Why would that be? Um, and one or two more. I worked for a bookmaker in the UK uh, and when I was pregnant with my son, I was given gloves and wipes to decontaminate myself as there's so much cocaine on the banknotes. There was a risk to me and the baby, you see. Money is filthy. Businesses are charged a fortune by banks for cash handling. So I can sympathise, uh, but maybe legislate that they must accept cash on transactions, say, under €100, Euro, perhaps? I mean, that's an amazing text. Pregnant uh, and being given gloves and wipes to decontaminate myself, working in the bookmakers because there was so much cocaine on the banknotes. So clearly, that's that's the same here in Cork, I guess, with quite an amount of banknotes. But anyway, Luke, good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me all right? I can, yeah. Okay, belt away. What's on your mind? All right, it's not happening for me. I'll see if I can clean up that line. Meanwhile, Nicholas. Hello. Go ahead, my man. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah, fine, yeah. Okay, we need to combat the practice of not accepting cash. Is that your? Is that the gist of your point? Yeah, I think it, it should be nipped in the bud now because, you know, before we know where we are, it would be the norm, the norm rather than the exception. And I think by doing that, what they're trying to do in places would be that the staff are going to lose out and as well as that, they should remember the subsidies they got all through the COVID. They were heavily subsidised and all of a sudden now, they're just saying, look, two fingers up to the public. Yeah, um, they give a lot of reasons as to why they don't want to carry cash, you know, that it will drive the prices up, that the banks are charging more, that the security companies have to transport mm-hmm. the cash and, you know, uh, like that it's much simpler to have no cash on the premises. It's it's safer. You wouldn't buy any of that, no? No, because, I mean, like, if, if COVID hadn't happened, would would they be having that discussion? Like, COVID brought on the cashless semi-society or semi-cashless society. I think they're using the COVID situation to exploit it and to bring it for, uh, to bring it further down the road. And part of the com- part of the way to combat this practice is you're suggesting that people have their meal, even if it says no cash, and offer cash that they'll have to take it. Is it? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm not aware of any law that says they can't accept cash. So, I mean, if I was in that situation, I'd be inclined to go in and say, "Don't have my five course meal or whatever," and offer them the fifty euro and see what take it from there. Take so, them on. Yeah, they probably would take the cash, I'd say, if they had no choice. Well, they wouldn't be calling the guards, I'd imagine. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think that's the way to combat it. I think take them on and, and call their bluff. Okay, and do you carry any cards or is it only cash? I I, do, I carry a card, but I mean, I, I carry cash when I have it. When I have it. But uh, 
um, if I thought that people were, how would they put it, have a policy of not accepting uh, cash, uh, I would deliberately go in and and and, and put cash to them and see what happens. <laughs> have you done that? No, because uh, um, where I where I frequent on the other occasion, it, it it doesn't happen. I'm not aware of it any places around here. Okay, well, when it happens and you do it, come back to me and let me know what the reaction is, will you? (laughs) I will, yeah. Take care. Thanks, Nicholas. Cheers. With regards to John living in the abattoir, I was saddened to hear that the powers that be won't let John take his two little dogs with him. But I'm angry that the council allows others in council property to keep huge numbers of dogs without a lead between them. And horses they allow, which are badly treated and starved, and there's nothing done about that. So there's one set of rules for the likes of John, and there are different set of rules for other sections of the community. Uh, Yet they are both on council property. Where's the fairness in that, says Desi. Uh, Hi, you were on about the topic. Myself and the locals of Carrigaline have raised €420 for John so far, along with blankets, jumpers, toiletries, etc., that he will probably need. There are a few more to donate today, so I'm hoping to round it up to €500 by this morning. I'd be grateful if you could help me to get these contributions to John or even drop them to the studio and you can get it to him. I would like to change half of the cash to vouchers for Lidl or Dunn's etc so he can get himself new clothes but I don't have his sizes that's a lovely gesture you're undertaking at the moment Sarah and if that's what you want to do cash and vouchers or whatever the case may be I'll make sure that John gets it and when he moves into his new gaff he'll have new clobber and he'll have new bed sheets and he'll have blankets and jumpers and everything he needs in the bathroom department as well it's just a lovely lovely gesture um, keep those texts coming text 0868104106 back after the break this is the Neil Prenderville show text and whatsapp 0868104106 Cork's Red FM there's a story in the Echo there recently that was talking about people being scammed um, it was a Sarah Horgan article where there was a new wave of criminals known as cyber pickpockets I won't go into the text technical details, but they have the technology to go up close to you, very close to you, uh, whether you've got cards or whether it's your mobile phone that stores your uh, your your wallet with your details on it, and they literally can hoover, um, you know, cash. They deal with it by just getting close to you and in close proximity, and they're taking all sorts of amounts of money. There was a big warning about digital theft. You wouldn't have that with cash unless they put their hand into your pocket and took the cash out. But interestingly, it affects a lot of different people in many different ways. There was a couple who got in touch with me recently, and they said they're having food in the Titanic in Cove, and their niece uh, was outside uh, with the boyfriend, and they were walking, and they wanted to buy an ice cream outside an ice cream van in Cove, but they only had card payment uh, and they only accepted cash. So she said that the two kids would never have cash, absolutely none. Uh, so they'd come in looking for cash for the two ice creams. Um, so that's kind of a nice way to put it because in one way at least, you know, ice cream vans and Mr. Whippy vans are still traditionally cash. But David Bond got in touch with us, I think it was by Facebook. He's originally from Clare but has the Winslow Hotel in Liverpool and joins me by phone just on the topic of cash versus debit or credit cards. David, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? One of the points that you were making, and you put together a poster, actually, that you actually use yeah. in a hotel, is it? Is that... Yeah, yeah. Forgive me if I'm, if I'm getting this wrong, but because we will have everything in a cashless society, everything will be monitored. So everyone can monitor our movements and what we do. And that ultimately, at some stage down the line, could actually lead to restrictions of our movement. Explain that to me. 
Right. Well, basically, people have to forget what infrastructure is in place right now as opposed to what's coming because it's not as simple as cash fee card. The central bank digital currency is a whole different animal, right? And this is all painted as, uh, you know, for our own protection and for our own convenience. But basically, if I just may digress slightly, first of all, so basically, without you can't get to the stage of a digital currency without a digital ID. So what's happening, what, or what's coming through is the global uh, digital ID program, which will be linked to a central bank digital currency, which will also be tagged in with climate change restrictions, which you see through the media now, which will be your personal carbon score will be monitored through the digital framework, which will be linked to your digital currency, your digital wallet. And what is, what, right? when you talk about a digital currency controlled by the state, programmable okay. by the state, what well, is it? What this, is the digital currency? Well, basically, all this can only be brought into place if cash is abolished. Because once there's an off-ramp with cash, they can't do this. So this is the whole ethos behind this is to destroy cash get it rid of it and that's why in COVID the COVID lockdowns this is where it all began by programming people to think the cash is dirty and conditioning customers and businesses alike to only accept card payments and was there a recommendation uh, during COVID for people not to engage yeah. in handing over cash um, many I'm, I'm obviously from, from Ireland but I have a business over here in Liverpool and I can speak from my own personal experience everywhere you went was card payments card payments card payments not taking cash so when you or refer I, to a yeah. 100% digital currency you're talking about yeah. debit cards credit cards revolution what have you no I'm not I'm not debit cards will be gone in the next two years you won't have a debit card everything will be done through a blockchain central bank digital currency, right, which you will have a digital wallet on your phone, most likely. It's an app you will download, and every transaction will be done through that. And also, on top of that, Neil, it'll be programmable. And who said that this is going to happen, and where will it happen within two years? Well, I can tell you right now, there's, a, there's an interview that there's a... When Rishi Shunak was Chancellor of the Exchequer less than a year ago, and he's now Prime Minister, he has openly discussed this. He did a promotional video on this. It's available online. And the Telegraph ran with the article, and it, there is articles from the Bank of England saying that they would recommend programming the digital currency. So what that means is it can be programmed so the user can only... So basically, put it like this. Your carbon score right, will be linked. So basically, your emissions from your home, that's why they push you onto electric vehicles so they can monitor every, how many miles you tra- travel, and then you'll be given an allowance. And that will also apply to flights. If you go on right now and you go into Google and you go into Google Flights, but this has only happened in the past week, and you type in whatever flight, uh, Dublin to New York, Dublin to LA, and you go down to Google Flights and you'll see on every flight that they now, only in the past week, have an emissions rating on flight. Yeah, I think, yeah, no, I've, I've, I've seen all of that and I think I've seen it for longer right. than a week, but I do notice on my well, own it might phone. Be, it, might be, it might be longer than you a week. You know when you get your I'm monthly saying, updates as to where you've travelled and how far you've travelled and how many cities and places you've been, you know that, you can yeah. get that on your phone on a monthly basis. It also will give you an update to your carbon footprint. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? That ultimately, yeah. that kind of information will prevent me from travelling. Correct. You'll be given an allowance, and you won't be allowed to go over your allowance. But, and, but you'll be able to buy, with your digital currency, you will be able to buy carbon credits if you can afford them. Oh, you can buy your way out of it. Yeah, yes, exactly. So that would mean that only the wealthy people will be able to travel internationally. Because anyone that's struggling won't, won't, have the, won't, have, won't be able to afford the credits. 
Okay, okay. And we should be aware of this if if it's if it's yeah. truthful and correct and fight well, back against it. Yeah, if I could just, if you just give me one minute, and I'll just say one, uh, a little bit here. So basically, this was all set in place in 1992, but the infrastructure, the digital infrastructure wasn't there. But the, the backdrop of it is you, United Nations Agenda 21, right, which has now morphed into Agenda 2030. And everywhere you go, you will see that landmark year, 2030, 2030, 2030, abolish combustion engines by 2030, yeah, etc. Yeah. So basically... What it is, right, to sum it up in a, par- in, in, in a couple of lines, is the inventory and control plan of all land, all water, all minerals, all plants, all animals, all construction, all means of production, all food, and all data and humans on the planet. And this cannot, and this was signed up to by, it's out there, it's a UN, uh, it's a UN document, United Nations, and it was signed up to by 179 countries in 1992. The same 179 countries that were in lockstep throughout COVID with restrictions and lockdowns, following the same blueprint, right? Well, what would you do, if people are listening to this now, they'd be calling you a conspiracy theorist. Do you get okay, much of that? I've been called, I've been called, I've been calling for years, but I, I've done posts on Facebook in 2020 and everything I, I wrote on it has come through two years before, three years before now. Mm. I spoke about cashless society, digital currency, central bank, the Chinese, Chinese social credit system. This is all intrinsically linked, you know. Mm. And, and COVID, well, COVID was the catalyst. It was used as the catalyst. Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, wrote a book called COVID-19, The Great Reset. Now, he wrote that, and he's not even a native English speaker, and he had it on the shelves by June 2020. The, the, the pandemic had only just got off. Yeah, listen, I'm not, going to be, I'm not going to be revisiting the whole COVID pandemic, apart from yeah. the fact that many, many, many people died, and some people are still suffering from it. It was that. a real... I understand all that. I understand all that. It was what a I'm real event. Is, I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm not saying it wasn't. But it was a catalyst to implement a digital age is what we're in right now. And the banks, look, money creation, I mean, it, it's a debt. It, money is created from, from the ether, basically. You know what I mean? When you go for a loan, the, the game is rigged because when you go for a loan from the bank, I mean, they don't. there's no part of, of, of cash to go to. They just create that digitally on a screen and the banks work with each other on that, right? Mm. And then you pay that back with interest. And also where all the COVID payments that were, that were paid out, say, globally, that's, that caused the mass inflation because it was what they call quantitative easing. 20% of, of all currency, of all currency ever in creation was printed between 2020 and 2021 in one year, right? So once that flooded the market and, and what's called velo- uh, currency velocity, people start spending. Uh, you're, again. Getting fa- you're getting way too thick and technical now at this well, stage. Well, what happens, it, what it does is the more, it's like supply and demand. The more, the more notes in circulation, the less value it has prices go up. So it causes inflation. And what do banks do to counteract inflation? A double whammy. They put up the lending interest rates. So they're calling it on both sides. Yeah, that's where we're at now with the increased lending rates and interest. Correct. And what they'll do right right now, right, is to counteract that, they'll bring out the digital currency as the saviour. It's a problem, reaction, solution. This was the end game all along. So if I come back back and chat to you in two years' time, we'll see a very different world with with regards to currency and no cash. You will see see no cash and and no debit cards. Okay, thanks for that. As always, get in touch. Text 0868-104-106. By by text, I paid with cash last night in the shop. The one in front of me was so busy playing and laughing on her phone, she tapped for my diesel and walked out the door. People are not watching their spending while tapping um, and... (laughs) 
I assume he went out after and said, sorry, you were after paying for my diesel. Thank you very much. On the topic of the barn, they also want all customers to scan a code on your table to order on your phone, which they then put pressure on the customer to do as well. I'm local. It's a fabulous establishment, but I don't approve of cash only. And I don't approve of scanning your menu order through your phone. Um, I think that's something we're all going to have to get more used to because that happens a lot overseas now where there are no physical menus whatsoever at all and you literally go onto their website while you're sitting there or there's a QR code to link you to it and you tap there. Um, I imagine it's a lot more efficient and it probably takes... Um, a lot of time out of ordering, you know, you're not waiting for somebody to come to your table or what have you. I think there should be a happy medium. I definitely don't think we should become a cashless society, but I've been to places that only accept cash and that's a pain too. I've been in a situation where I've had to run around looking for a cash machine to pay for things. With regards to the lady who had to tot up her own bill, is that the norm with group bookings? It would appear to be. Most places don't split group bills and it sounded like there was a big enough gang at the dinner Yes, there was a big gang and they had lots of different cards and they wanted the staff in the barn to do all of the maths for them. Uh, I went for me last Sunday with a group. My sister paid on our card and we paid her what we owed her. Much simpler. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106 and phone calls to James. Good morning. Morning, How are you? I'm good. Um, I saw yesterday, and I was talking about running the air in Switzerland, they managed to get yeah. a popular vote. If you can get 100,000 people to sign something, it has to be voted on in Parliament, and it had to do with cash, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think it might be up to 110,000 now. It, it, it surpassed like it. It, it did, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but well, I, I don't know why people are surprised by this, because, like, I mean, every day we walk around there, we carry a smartphone, maybe a smartwatch, or a smart TV, smart car. Everything is smart. We're being watched all the time. Not 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 a terrorist at all. It's quite obvious. But it's in, very in UK, handy to have, um, you know, your data, your ability to pay for things with your phone. You you can never be caught short or be you know find that you don't have oh, money yeah, or you don't have doing. enough. But if that's all you're doing, but you're doing way more than that. You're subscribing to marketing, traceability, and all those things. I mean, you look back when Irish Water come into started up in, in the process in Ireland. They wanted people's PPS numbers, yeah, right? Yeah. And everybody objected to it. Yeah. They gave 100 euros to everybody and everybody gave their PPS number. <laughs> That's another trace. I missed like, that I mean, one. We're just foolish the way we walk into it. Like a, a, a man told me back in the 90s, it would come to the stage if you go to buy a kettle, you'd have to give your PPS number. He didn't know anything about digital at the time, but he could see that far ahead. But I mean, COVID was the greatest training for this. It trained us to stay within our area and it trained us to use uh, plastic. There's a city in England at the moment, Oxford, it's divided into six sections. It's called a smart city or whatever you call it. A 15-minute city. Oh, 15-minute cities, yeah. We were chatting about that. We probably are close enough to a 15-minute city ourselves because we're a perfect size, I think. Yeah, yeah, but that's what that's what they reckon. All those cities, and, and like I mean, some of the inconvenience that's causing is, is huge. Fifteen-minute cities means that everything that's needed by society should be within fifteen minutes of their front door. Isn't that it? Yeah, would you have six hospitals in the size of Oxford and six sections? You know, like I mean, you got to be realistic as well. Yeah, no, I was you know thinking I mean? about when we were chatting about that off, we were chatting about it off air, but like if you look at an awful lot of things, I mean, we have our problems in the city, don't get me wrong, and there's a lot going on now, digging up streets and bicycle lanes and footpaths and all this kind of thing, but everything pretty much is close to hand, isn't it? Well, that seems to be the plan, that is the plan. But it's a good plan. 
Oh, if it, if it can work, yeah. If they, but like I mean, the infrastructure property isn't fully in place. But like, I mean, when, you, like when you talk when you talk about you know the digital world and the online world, every day that you go online, you're and you go into a website, you are accepting the terms and conditions. That's what Absolutely. cookies are for. You have to tick a box saying, um, "I'm happy that they're going to have my data, and I will proceed." They can do whatever they want with your data and sell it on for money. They do. So data is currency. Contribute to it. Yeah, we contribute to it. But like if digital comes in, that digital currency comes in. It's like how China is pretty well operating at the moment. It will be everybody will be completely traceable and they'll be controlled in their spending. And do you really do you really think that somebody who likes to go on multiple holidays, right? It takes lots of flights, or you know, has a very high petrol bill in a petrol station. That in a few years' time, that their movement will be restricted, whether it's in the car they drive, the distances they travel, or the air flights that they take. It's more than likely, and your information will be available at the. Just put in your PPS number, and all your all your information will come up. And we'd have some other. They're talking about using some other system of tagging us, as well as the PPS system. A world, a worldwide. Like I mean, the population of the world has gone to eight million now, isn't it? Yes. Uh, is that like facial recognition or CCTV? Something like cameras? that. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Make so the world a safer place, though, wouldn't it? If everybody was identifiable by facial recognition, no. Is, do you find that spooky? I think you go too far. Uh, I mean, where do you stop with this? You catch a lot more criminals that way, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, the criminals will probably won't be on, out on the streets. They'll be online. Well, that is true. That is true. You okay, know, we live, we're it. living through interesting Thanks. times. So is that just finally, is that why Switzerland are pushing back against this? They don't want what you're talking about happening? They don't want the complete control. Okay, okay. They want the option. They want the option. Thanks, James. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Just a quick update with regards to the horses in and around the stirrup in the field in the stirrup from yesterday morning. We were in touch with Vincent Cashman of the CSPCA. We did get feed up there yesterday. Um, the Irish Examiner were there and they filmed it. Uh, we did get reports, though, that they were moved subsequently when they heard horse collection, it normally gets their attention and they move the animals, as in they, as in the owners, whoever they are. People are suggesting it's members of the traveling community. If that's the case, well, that's who did the moving. But uh, at least Vincent Cashman got the food up there yesterday morning and then the horses were moved yesterday afternoon. Uh, he says that Larry uh, Cummins uh, from the Irish Examiner was there. Larry said there were three in the field and they were all in good condition I'm not quite sure where the number three came from. If we were hearing uh, about uh, a lot more than three yesterday morning in around 20 or more. Uh, so maybe they were all moved slowly but surely over time. Uh, but at least that, that, doesn't, that doesn't stop this problem, actually. That's not the end of it. That doesn't solve anything. You know, the cruelty or the malnutrition of being left out in the absolute freezing cold overnight without coverings or indeed... Um, you know, foals that are shivering to death in a field. It's still cruelty, no matter what way you look at it. But at least um, Vincent Cashman and his uh, his staff did get to feed them yesterday morning. But that was only one moment in time, you know. I mean, what's today going to be like in the day after and what have you? So uh, I will come back to that. Paul, good morning. Uh, can you hear me? There you go. Um, you wanted to pick up on this issue involving the ESB, who were found to have been... Um, adding money onto uh, retail customers, as in, you know, the likes of you and me, to um, balance the books with regards to bigger businesses. Is that, and, and then they, they, they came along and said, they we're going to give us 50 euro back, is it? 
Why did you want to, did you tell him why you wanted the 50 euro taken off? No, I just, I just thought it was a bit suspicious the way they were overcharging us for 12 years, so for 12 years, and then the 50 euro has been paid already to everyone's account. So um, I rang him up and I was like, look, um, I want that removed, and he didn't know what to do, so he put me on hold. But anyway, when he came back to me, I said, um, I'm just wondering there why he was on, on uh hold for so long and he said you're the first person to call the network asking for that 50 euro to be removed from yeah okay first time for everything yeah yeah that's what I said to him <laughs> but um yeah so uh, basically uh, he just um, removed the 50 euro from the, my account so you gave them and, back uh, the 50 that they credited your account with I did because um I, I just if they were offering us 50 they there's a lot more than 50. Well, well here's the thing. How much were people charged over the years? Well, they didn't, they didn't go into them figures, no. What if it was only 50 euro over the period of 12 years and that they're just giving you back what they took? We don't no, know. That's only, I could be only, that's only an estimate on their side. Uh, well, you think it's substantially higher than the 50? Yeah, it should be the same thing as, remember, the banks were doing with the people, was it pop and PPU or something like this? I just, I'm just, you're 50 like, euro out though now. Did you do this as a matter of principle? No, I don't. Like, after I got off the call, he goes, um, you actually owe us now um, 55 euro. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Thanks very much. Is that, is that what's owing on your bill, is it? Yeah, he had another 50 euro. I was like, thanks. <laughs> so it sent you into a minus? Uh, yes. Are you, are you not, you're, like, you're not intending to do any more than this except to give them back the 50 euro that you don't want. I just wanted them to just remove it from my account because um, further down the line, they'll probably give double or triple that. <laughs> they'll be a lot of calls going into the network now, right there. <laughs> I don't know if, there'll be, a, I don't know if there's anybody euro. else out there <laughs> will be calling the ESB to give back the 50 euro. Maybe they will. I'm just, I mean, you're, you're expecting that give them back the 50, they'll give you more later, is it? Well, why they didn't, they admitted liability for the overcharging us for the 12 years, so why, why give 50 euro? They should I, be giving a lot more than that. Listen, you, I could be proved all wrong. You might be right in the coming weeks or months ahead. Let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. That's for 50 euro. You spend that in the night. Ah, yeah, it's better off in your pocket, though, than the ESPs. But you could be right. Only time will tell. Thanks, Paul. Let's see what happens. Um, got me got me smiling, if nothing else. Certainly yesterday's, um, you know, Faulty Towers story got everybody smiling. Because Basil Faulty is, uh, or at least John Cleese, is bringing back Faulty Towers. It's a risky business, isn't it? Thinking that it's a good idea and being able to actually deliver is two different things entirely. Faulty Towers is my favourite of all time. No one can touch John Cleese. My my favourite episode ever was when he thrashed his car with a branch. I don't think it could ever be the same again or as good. 
I would say leave well alone. By the way, I think it was 12 episodes over two seasons, says Joe. Fair play to you. I always thought it was 13. You're probably right. I'm usually wrong. But you know when you talk about the episode where Basil um, got a branch and thrashed his car? Here's just a little bit of that. Crashes the car with the branch. What kind of a car was it again? It was a small little boxy thing, wasn't it? Was it like a mini or something or a mini estate or something like a station wagon? A small little thing. Uh, Basil Faulty, John Cleese. Faulty Tires was sheer genius, but of course, it couldn't possibly suit the crazy, insane world today. It just will never do. Too many people will find it offensive. God help us. What a great show. What a great time to grow up with television like that back in the day. Not like the snowflake shows that we have today. Eilish picks up on that point and says the world is gone mad. Faulty Towers was gas. I reiterate, everything is deemed offensive nowadays. A little humour, you know, lifts the soul. We still love only fools and horses, but again, nowadays, protesters would be up in arms. Where has our sense of humour gone, says she? Uh, talking about being offended. Actually, that leads me on to another topic from the last couple of days, and this was the Tommy Tiernan television show. And people were picking up on that with regards to things that he said certainly about Brian Murray uh, as a guest on the show and Parkinson's disease. Unless you're a fully safe comedian, comedy material is a very thin line. What's totally acceptable to many in an audience is considered offensive to others. I might not always laugh at Tommy Tiernan's material, but I have never found it offensive. The only time I've found comedy material offensive, and believe me, I've heard a langer load of material over the years, the only time I've found comedy material offensive is when it's presented to create the intent to cause upset and insult. Tommy is Tommy and most audiences attend and sit in the rare hope that he says something risque. That's why people go. Um, interesting point of view. Uh, we have almost arrived at a point now where everything seems to offend someone or other. He tells jokes, nothing more. Yeah, I know, but you know there are some areas that should be no-go areas. Billy Connolly used to get into trouble as well in areas like that. I, th- I think that a Billy Connolly show now would be very different to a Billy Connolly show in the 70s or 80s. I'm sure people know at this stage that if you go to a Tommy Tiernan show, you're going to be on the show, I mean, the TV show. You're going to be asked all sorts of questions. And if you're not up for that, then the simple answer is don't go on the show. It's not a show for the faint-hearted. It's not supposed to be. It's Tommy Tiernan. Anything goes, you just have to be able for him. So that's a selection of lots of texts on that. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Um, meanwhile, there are other stories then regarding, um, you know, bills and being billed for things. And if I could just quickly mention it, because I meant to get to this earlier on. You're talking about the 50 euro back from... Uh, from the likes of the ESB and other people then, um, you know, being digitally robbed, whether it's their card or their details on their phone. It's an interesting article recently where Three Ireland 
wrongly charged more than 1,600 phone users for data roaming. Uh, Apparently, they travelled outside of the European Union and they demanded almost €30,000 from one customer who strayed out of the European Union into Monaco, probably went to Monte Carlo. Now, this all went to court. 30 grand. I don't know what the person was watching, but I was reading the story. It said one case involved a woman on a break in France who went on a day trip to Monaco, a non-EU member nation, in 2021. She used her phone twice for about five minutes to find her way around. Data, you know, as in Google Maps or what have you. That resulted in being billed €1,485 for the data. Another complaint also took a day trip by bus, went from France into Monaco, probably went to Monte Carlo. Three Ireland charged €376, even though the phone never left her bag and was never used. Somebody else then complained that uh, it was a married couple on a Mediterranean cruise last year when the woman got charged €495 because the boat went into international waters, outside the EU waters, if you like, and back in again. And then... The data, or at least the bill, starts clocking up. Actually, these were court cases, uh, and the mobile phone operator pleaded guilty at the Dublin District Court. (laughs) Couldn't believe what I was reading. Anyway, back after 11. Keep those calls coming. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show And again this morning is the morning that uh, tickets went on sale for Rod Stewart live at the Marquee on the 20th day of June and as I mentioned earlier on they have now put on a second gig due to demand the day after the night after the 21st of June so the 20th and 21st Rod Stewart live at the Marquee due to extra demand those tickets are on sale uh, wherever you buy your tickets this morning. Um, interestingly, uh, I heard uh, an interview uh, with Rod Stewart recently um, and uh, I was due to talk to him at the weekend, but it all got cancelled. I don't know what happened. He had some other stuff on or something, so hopefully that'll happen in the future. Chatted with him before, nice fella. Uh, but I was listening to some bits and pieces in prepare, preparation for it and I think it was uh, uh, very interesting. I asked for his top three songs of all time. Um, it's a great question. Uh, and I think he said that his favourite song, his own favourite song, was The Killing of Georgie, which is a song we don't hear much of anymore. You hear many other ones, but apparently if you were to pick the top three, I think it was that one. I think it was You're In My Heart. Uh, and a third that I can't remember right now, but certainly The Killing of Georgie was was number one. Uh, you know, I was talking about being overcharged for things, particularly with regards to roaming. There was another example given um, of somebody who would go outside of, say, for instance, a roaming zone within the European Union. And like if you went outside of a roaming area and you sat down, for instance, and you watched a 40 minute episode of um, Netflix, right? That would be estimated as 1.6 gigabytes of data. And they were saying a customer could technically be charged €26,700 if they watched a 40-minute 1.6 gigabyte episode on a streaming site like Netflix. And so we all have our stories, you know, of phone bills when you come back from your holiday, say, outside of Europe. Reminds me years ago when my son was very small and we just had Luke, we were in Cyprus um, and he was of an age where he loved the Cartoon Network. And I remember the hotel had its own channels, you know, the the, the free-to-air channels, if you like. 
but there were a few of them then that you had to pay for when you left the hotel. And unfortunately, one of those happened to be Cartoon Network and we knew nothing about it. You know, Johnny Bravo was a big fan back in the day. So he'd have his Cartoon Network on a daily basis for, you know, whatever periods of time, uh, you know, on his holidays. He was very, very small. And then we were checking out, we found out that Cartoon Network actually was one of the premium channels. <laughs> You'd have thought of that with regards to the porn channels, I suppose, but not Cartoon Network. I can't remember at the time in Cyprus what the hotel bill was for Cartoon Network, but I know it was well over €100 Euro at the time and possibly even a little bit more. That was a bit of a wake-up call at the time. Anyway, Anyway, text 0868104106 on horses uh, all you had to do was to be outside the courthouse in Anglesey Street yesterday there were travellers everywhere all of working age men and women where were the inspectors from welfare um, I was working to pay for their lifestyle what in the name of God has that got to do with anything unless they arrived at the courthouse in sulkies and horses which I assume wasn't the case they're entitled to go about their business and not to be treated and looked upon as criminals so um, I mean if they were there at the courthouse to answer or charges in court. That's like any member of society attending court. You know, I mean, I don't understand, Paul. I don't mean, I don't mean to be rude to you or anything, but I'm not so sure why you're segregating one section of society against another. Um, uh, like, are you suggesting that a settled person um, who would be appearing in a courtroom? should also have an inspector there from welfare checking things. I mean, you, you can't live in a society like that. Uh, can't go on air, but legislation needs to be brought in immediately to remove horses from travellers. It is way too cruel the way they treat them. Um, these are some of the horses at the moment in Park Court in Parklands. They've just been moved. There are more in a place called Miser's Field. And that in itself is another story to hear more about why a field would be called Miser's Field. Was it owned by a miser? I find the Gardaí are of no use in situations like loose horses. They will come and tell you to call the council. You call the firm contracted by council and they call the travellers and lo and behold, the travellers move the horses. Uh, Traveller horses were kept in the IDA field near Ballyvalan. Last year I witnessed them trying to round up the horses in the field. One traveller had a bucket with a little bit of feed in it. He shook the bucket to rattle the feed and a hungry horse came over towards him. Within reach, one traveller grabbed his rope and the other traveller swung the bucket violently and struck the horse in the face with the bucket and took the bucket away without feeding him. Animals um, are treated um, should be treated better regardless of what section of society you are from. Uh, keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106 and we'll pick it up after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Yes, indeed. Pick up the phone. 0818104106. Very sad, tragic news this morning. Uh, Paul Byrne joins me briefly from uh, uh, Virgin Media News. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Sadly, it's the death of a woman in her 60s. It's tragically sad. Do you have much behind the story at all, I wonder? Um, there's, a, there's a little information coming out at the moment. It's a very, very sad story. Uh, a woman in her 60s, uh, late 60s, living alone in a house in Barnavarna in Ballyvalan. Uh, I, I understand that someone called to the house to check on her this morning. And um, when they went inside, that they found the woman on the floor, unconscious. Now, emergency services were alerted and the woman was pronounced dead at the scene. It's understood that a fire may have been smouldering overnight or into the early hours of this morning. The woman was overcome by smoke and possibly died from smoke inhalation. 
It's absolutely tragic, isn't it? It's so sad. It can come upon you and before you know it, you're incapacitated, you're unconscious, you're on the ground and you pass away. It's so sad. Uh, and this was this was some, some at some stage overnight and discovered at nine this morning. Just before nine o'clock this morning, the emergency services were alerted. Gardaí Fire Brigade personnel and the ambulance service uh, all attended. And unfortunately, despite their best efforts, the woman was pronounced dead at the scene. Uh, forensic experts are currently at the scene carrying out a detailed examination. But uh, my understanding is that a post-mortem will be carried out and it's possibly that the woman did die from smoke inhalation. Oh, that's very sad. Um, Thanks. Living alone. But uh, thankfully, in one sense, you know, she was found this morning that it, she wasn't there. For well, it goes to show of neighbours checking on neighbours, but neighbours, but in this case, discovering a tragedy for sure. Yeah, very sad. Yeah, you know, look, I mean, sometimes people don't know who their neighbours are, but it's yeah. always, you know, Paddy O'Brien and yeah. will tell you this and... Um, people who work with the elderly check on them and even if they don't want to be bothered maybe it's just your check uh, anyway civic rights yeah. to yeah. call and then just checking them anyway yeah. to say hello Tom Mary home are you just checking do you need anything in the shop and if you know if there's no answer but, you know always don't be afraid to call on someone else to maybe check in on them and call their relatives or call the guards if you can't absolutely. get in absolutely so many sad tragedies are unfolding in this day and age and we have to look after the, the elderly They're, you know they looked after us while we were growing up and I think it's we, there's an onus on us to look after them well said couldn't put it better myself thanks as always Paul Paul Burns Southern Correspondent with Virgin Media News that poor misfortunate woman it's tragic and our thoughts are with her family and that from the Ballyvalan area uh, only a few hours ago, she was discovered misfortune. Um, you know, talking about people who pass away, some time back, I spoke to Pat Coyle on air. I remember it vividly. His wife, and I spoke to so many people. His wife, Veronica, died in Care Choice in Ballyno two years ago. Um, um, and it just reminds me of the people who are calling for a public inquiry into those that, and the treatment of those and the passing away of those and the circumstances in which people passed away in nursing homes. I got a lovely text, for instance, from Kieran in Wexford who said, I just wanted to thank yourself and your radio station for keeping the call for a human rights public inquiry in the media. There has to be an inquiry so that what happened to those thousands of people who died alone, the most inhumane deaths in all care settings, that it can never happen in this country again. The government keeps telling us that mistakes were made. Well, the families are entitled to know what mistakes were made and by whom. And of course, the care partner scheme needs to be put into law immediately so that no person can ever feel abandoned by their loved ones again when they need them most. I'd also like to thank Care Champions and all of the gang and the great work they're doing for pushing forward this inquiry. So thank you for that, Kieran. I mean, we are here to listen to people and to share their stories. And with that in mind, Pat joins me by phone again. Pat, good morning. How are you coping, Pat? How are you coping? Um, can you hear me now? Is that better, Pat? I'm just wondering, how are you coping? Hi, good morning, Neil. Yeah, we're still, we're still there looking for answers and questions. Yesterday was Veronica's second anniversary, and this week is most of the anniversaries out in Ballyno. And people are still no, no further ahead. They don't have answers, and the government is literally just ignoring us. And we're continuing to push for the public inquiry. And care champions have been a great support to the family. And they're pushing it, of course, yeah. And I've been speaking yeah, with others like your good self, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like when we when we when we chatted about Veronica, she was very young when she uh, started and got a diagnosis of Alzheimer's, I believe, wasn't that right? Yeah, she was just in her early fifties when she was diagnosed with it. 
but it may have been going on for a year or two before that. Right, yeah, yeah. And she was 64 when she died. And at the time, Franica died, she had no mobility. She couldn't speak. She was literally 24-7 care. And even that in itself, now is a concern for us. The last week in the home, most of the staff were all gone out since Sunday, the 31st of January. And we have concerns that there wasn't enough staff in the home for the basically the first week in February. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I remember talking over. I remember talking over the years with staff and management and people working in Ballynoe, and it was very high standard of care there for a long, long time. Um, I know that there was a management change and, and things like that, and then COVID came along, and 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 so many nursing homes seemed to just been unable to cope. Not of it of their own making, though. Sure, wasn't. No, no. Ballynoe was a great home in 2020 when the COVID came in. The standard of care in the home was absolutely brilliant. The families were getting email updates every night from the director of nursing that was there at the time. We were well informed. Phone calls were being answered. We were getting the window visits. And then the nominated visitor came in. One family member could go in, which would have been myself at the time. Yeah. And then at the change of management, that's where our concerns are starting now with the change of management. As we found out months later... The change of management was on the 14th of December. And, and is that, does that seem to have made a significant difference, do you think? Or was it more to the point that COVID was getting more and more of a grip in society and more were getting ill and more were dying? No, I think I think that the change of management made a big difference because by the 6th of January, two residents were showing symptoms no, the two residents weren't isolated. They were allowed to mix, That's which right. was against the regulation. Yeah. And since then, we found out that there was actually staff members had COVID before the tested positive for COVID before the residents tested positive. And we have a lot of concerns when the whistleblower came out, as you know, in the primetime program, that residents were left in bed, food was left in front of them and taken up a couple of hours later on eating. Like if someone went in and left food beside Franica, she wouldn't even know it would be there. She couldn't feed herself. You said at this stage, and to use your words, she had degenerated into full dementia. Oh, she had, yeah. Like the staff that cared for her, they knew her her needs. Like if they were feeding her her dinner and she was a bit slow eating, myself and the children would be in there a lot. And we would take over the feeding and we might be there to feed her completely. That would take a bit of time. But the first week in February, I think 90 plus percent of the staff were out, all the nurses were out. There was agency nurses in, there was agency staff in. I think there was only just a handful of the regular staff there. But they wouldn't know her needs, as same as all the residents that would have had chronic condition. And if she didn't eat, they weren't going to sit there for an hour or half an hour or whatever to try and feed her. Like, uh, We have concerns over the whole lot, like that they were left in bed, pads not changed, hygiene wasn't done properly. And just the basic fact, all the stuff that came out after now has raised concerns for us. And as you know... We have have that kind of, what I regard as almost cruelty going on in hospitals as well, though, where food is put down in front of patients, a lot of the time quite elderly who can't care for themselves, can't manage, can't feed... 
themselves and the food is just left in the hospital wards and taken away untouched and and nobody nobody seems to think that this that this isn't acceptable you know no i agree with you like there's been a lot of callous indifference to the families themselves trying to get in trying to get information on phone calls and everybody was getting basically the same oh the grand fluids are good they're eaten but then people get the phone call an hour later a day later or oh, sorry your mother your father passed away from COVID you're they actually referencing a call I had on Monday or Tuesday, on Tuesday of this week from the daughter of a patient in a nursing home was told just that dad sitting up eating porridge um, her, dad yeah. was de- her dad was dead yeah that, and that's reflective across the country because I'm kind of involved with care champions and the stories are unbelievable and so similar the way people were treated, like, that's why we need the likes of care partner. That's very essential, and that would have made a difference. Yeah. There was another COVID. case earlier in the week, just recalling the days, the dark days of COVID, where um, there was um, a, a video call came into the family at home saying, from a nursing home, saying, I have somebody here who wants to talk to you. Um, and it was the wrong call. They had an elderly patient from a nursing home that wasn't their parent. Do you want to know why? Because their parent had died. Yeah, I believe it because that has been repeated around the country in different homes and hospitals. Like what is killing a lot of family members is the fact that at the time there was a provision in the guidelines saying that a family member could be in the home when their loved one was dying. They had that option to be there once they were willing to accept the risk. Ballino never told us about it. A lot of other homes around the country never told the families. But some some homes handled it very well. Yeah, not all homes. Except the there was a lot of chaos. That there must have been a lot of chaos. There were short staffed. A lot were out sick. There was many patients sick. I mean, you look at Ballino. Twenty seven residents died in Ballino in January was, and February twenty twenty one alone. That was a lot. Like on the second of February, a staff member contacted the HSE and Stephen Donnelly begging someone to come in to save the lives of residents. No one came in. It was handled by email, email from the HSE to Ballyno, Ballyno back things of grand. And from the 1st of February to the 11th of February, there was 21 residents died. Just in that period alone, in that 10-day period. And tell tell me, when, when, when Veronica passed away, were you there? No, we were in that... Sunday evening she died on the month well we got the phone call at half seven on the Monday morning so we imagine she died during the night at some stage she would have only been found out to change over but we were in that she Sunday had COVID evening. at that stage yeah yeah she had it she tested positive on the third Sunday the 31st of January and she tested negative on the 24th of January that was the second negative test and that day she tested negative they actually moved her somewhere else in the home and after moving, she got COVID. But would she have been moved uh, into an area where other residents were and contracted COVID from in a, in, a, in maybe um, a, a, a lounge area, a recreational area, or something like that? Uh, like she was in a room on her own on the ground floor, and on the Monday evening, I was talking to the director of nursing, and I think I told you this before she actually gave me the information on another patient, and she told me that she had taken Franica for a walk, which she couldn't have done. 
And then she says, by the way, your wife's not in room two anymore. And I says, I asked, what do you mean? Like, and then I asked, where was she? When was she moved? Oh, she was moved last week. I said, where was she moved to? And she says, she was moved to an upstairs location. Now, we subsequently find out that the two residents that had COVID first were isolated in an upstairs area. So by the a farm was moved on the 24th, they would have been just coming out of COVID. A farm was moved upstairs along with other residents. COVID would have been in the air. And it was the movement from one area to another, you believe? Oh, yes. That, okay. That, uh, okay. Definitely. And there's a lot of people don't even know what room their parents were moved to their, and where they actually died in the home. Some people are still trying to find out what part of the home they died in okay. and they've never been given that information. And, and, yeah, okay. And, uh, and do you know if COVID was written down on the death certificate as a contributory factor to her death? Oh, yes. Yeah, I collected the death certificate myself and it's on it. What does it say? I don't have it here at the moment, but COVID is down as... Cause part of death. Of the, yeah. Contributory factor to cause of death, yeah. Contributory, yeah. But uh, you're not sleeping. Family. I hear you're not sleeping, no. No, it's just with uh, everything that's going on, like, and it's constantly in your head, like, and you're trying to go through things, get answers, contact people, like, I was just coming up to anniversary, like, and knowing that things might have been different if the HSE had been allowed into that home on the Tuesday. I'm not saying Franica would have lived, but I believe some of their residents could have been saved. But the manager didn't probably know since they didn't need any help. And then that amount of deaths, yeah, they needed help, but they just wouldn't let the HSE in. And do you think that there are many questions that could be answered if there were a public inquiry? And I, I'm led to believe that there will be, that there are answers to unanswered questions, that the oh, information yes, I, is there. The information's there. Like there's little bits and pieces coming out. And I think if when we call Martin was Tishik, when this happened, we've contacted him numerous times, asked him to meet with the families and listen to what we had to say and the concerns we had. But there is answers. There is answers there. And the fact, just the fact that that staff member had to contact HSC and Stephen Donnelly. Yeah. yeah. There was something seriously wrong. And in the primetime programme, there's a lot of stuff came out that we didn't know about. Like, residents were being restrained in the room. Residents that were mobile. They stopped them walking around. How would that have yeah. been done? With some kind of strap or something? Yeah, they were saying that they were using the bed rails and putting chairs up against... Oh, yeah, bed rails and chairs, yeah. Yeah, yeah to block people getting out. Now, there would have been residents in there that would have been active. And but how are you going imagine? to stop somebody who is active with COVID? Yeah. Some of them, yeah. So they just restrained them, but I, that's what we need most of the answers for, exactly how things were managed. But I believe there was, HICWA went in and they had concerns over the infection, prevention, control. They went in on the 11th of February. So all the answers are there. It's just... People need to be heard. Yeah. yeah, I think the public inquiry come out. I believe myself it was badly managed. I believe that there might have been changes brought into the home and how it was be, to be run and it impacted on everything. Yeah, 
uh, yeah, that change of management, the change of structure. Okay, yeah. um, I, I have a feeling we'll, we'll we'll chat again at some stage in the future, Pat. Uh, our thoughts are with you on the week of your lovely wife's second anniversary. But thank you for taking the call for now. Do appreciate that's, it. That's great, Nate. Thanks very Not much. Not at all. Time. No, thank you. There's no need to be thanking me. It's still the other way around. Margella Beattie is behind. She's the head of Care Champions. Margella, good morning. Is there much? Is there much you can actually yeah. add to uh, the very strong words and conversations there? Well, you know, sadly, Neil, this is the story right across the country, and people who are even coming up to the third anniversaries are the very same as uh, Pat there. They're not sleeping. There's unanswered questions. You know, by um, by default or, or for some unknown reason, um, as our group was uh, campaigning, we've ended up also supporting almost 100 staff members, um, many of whom from various different homes in Cork. And uh, they, unfortunately, when staff members come forward and do disclosures, the information that they give uh, really, um, families' worst fears are actually realised. And at this point, you know, we families need to get answers. It's it's the unanswered questions is leaving people's minds to run wild yes. and not known what yeah, happened. I know. And, yeah. and, and of course, so these are trauma. Sorry, just on that point of staff coming forward, these would be traumatised um, care home staff for speaking to us. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Like we would have had families where they would have got a knock on a door from a staff member, you need to get into that home, do not take no for an answer. And, um, you know, we would have uh, an awful lot of care staff who, who, um, who have come forward to us have either left care are in counselling and will never ever work again as in the in in the area of caring because of their experience um, during COVID in nursing homes because of their experiences and their experiences you know uh, apart from the lack of support that they themselves would have felt that they received well most of of the reports that they bring forward is about the treatment of residents not being able to provide care and the consequences of that people been left in bed pressure sort at our conference um, just over a week ago in Dublin we had a staff member saying of pressure sorts where you could actually see somebody's hip bones where people were not being turned in the bed uh, no seven staff to 70 residents not been able to turn people and people just been left in bed and seven sort. staff so one staff member for 10 patients yeah and then you can add into the mix how many of those are actually very ill and need an awful lot of care and some would need, need a lot of staff. care yeah. yeah and some people would need two people to lift them or move them so at, at meal times total chaos I'm sure amongst other total things total chaos and you know our, across the board our staff members tell us you know um, people were not getting support to be fed and our families you know um, you know, while all this is kind of building up through the pandemic and families couldn't get in, and when families would fight and get to a window, that was a massive thing that was coming up all the time. They appear to have lost so much weight. You know, they were coming to windows. Sometimes they were coming in somebody else's clothes. Uh, but when families would get back in, they'd raise the concern, well, why is uh, mommy or daddy or my husband, why is in somebody else's clothes? Why aren't they whatever? Mm. Uh, and it would transpire that everything was in chaos and why have they lost so much weight? Their teeth had gone missing mm. and nobody had realised and that was why they couldn't eat or they just didn't have to stop to feed people. And like in, in cases, uh, like in your previous caller, where over the whole home more or less has COVID and all the staff go out, you're bringing in agency staff and there's no 
presence staff there to explain to the agency staff but, that's Magella and this is what she needs done, you know. But in so the ben- with the benefit of hindsight now, and I understand call for a public inquiry because it's a respectful thing for families to be heard and it's only right and proper. But with the benefit of hindsight now, your good self, Magella, how how could things have been done differently at a time when we were gripped in a two, two and a half year period, sometimes mm-hmm. with with some terrible peaks in deaths? You know the way it was, the seasonality yeah. of it. If, mm-hmm. if there wasn't enough staff or if the staff themselves were sick, what could have been done better? The government failed residents and continue to fail residents. When COVID hit Ireland, obviously in the beginning, we didn't know what was happening. Very quickly, we had Dalgan House in Dundalk, which is very well publicised. And that was actually taken over by a hospital body at the time. And I had very senior government personnel, personnel involved in what happened there. And it was a huge tragedy of 23 people dying. Lessons should have been learned from Dalgan. And unfortunately, nothing was learned. Wave after wave after wave, the very same mistakes were, re- were made. Groups like Care Champions, the Irish Association of Social Workers, Age Action, NHQI, were sending submissions to government, were emailing the Taoiseach, were emailing and the Minister for Health, and we were being ignored. We and were what, were you telling them, what were you telling them to do differently, better, and what were you telling them to... Well, like for example, in summer 2020, the deterioration and the effect of um, the lockdown and the isolation, particularly for people with dementia, all over Europe and places like Belgium, they brought in um, like an essential carer or a care partner type scheme. They, um, in turn, allowed each family, each resident had one nominated person who was given the, who was given the, they were treated the same as staff. So basically they went in and they supported their loved ones. They were and they, cle- they clearly staff. had two antigen tests and COVID tests and everything oh, to yeah, do absolutely. that. absolutely. Yeah. So any day, like at that time, staff were being tested on a certain day the, the, the care partner was tested with them. This was implemented in Northern Ireland in September 2020. And here we are last night in 2023. I was supporting a family in County Limerick where they could not get into a family member. That is disgraceful. Nothing has been learned. And whilst, it, you know, well, with the best COVID. will in the world, maybe they had decided that it was best just to keep people out rather than bringing COVID into a scenario with elderly people immunocompromised and it would kill them. Do you as a person believe that you should be told that you're immunocompromised and you cannot have somebody that you love to have contact with you for we're going into the third, fourth year at this point. Somebody who will take all the precautions, the very same as any staff member who leaves work and goes out into the community and does the work and goes to the shop and, and whatever they have to do with their kids. If this can be implemented safely all over Europe, there is no reason why people who happen to live in Ireland should be denied access to people that they love. People don't give up their human rights at the door of a nursing home. And what motivated you then to start this campaign? Um, Well, I actually started Care Champions just uh, before COVID when the home care embargo came in because at that time I had to give up work to look after um, my parents, my father I lost before COVID, just before COVID I lost my mother during COVID. And um, uh, you know, I suppose I was benefiting because of Care Champions. I was hearing 
what was happening in nursing homes and yes. I fought to keep yeah. my mother at home and then as a consequence of that and um, there was huge challenges because community care was shockingly bad when somebody was dying at home even during COVID so I suppose I kind of built up a relationship because families were coming to us and you heard the stories we, yeah, yeah yeah and then we set up a loss group and then we got great support from professionals around the country to be able to support families to try and get answers. And is, and it, true, end, yeah, is it true at this stage now that you have thousands, it says here, thousands of families in your group? Yes. We have supported over 2,000 families with concerns. Now, and I think it's important With concerns of what happened to their loved ones in nursing home settings during COVID? Yes. And look, all you have to do is look at the independent article three weeks ago um, from the regulator, HICWA, where they had 3,000 safeguarding concerns that were registered with them over the COVID period. Uh, And then we also have to take into consideration then is the lack of regulation. You know, 80% of our elderly care home and nursing home is provided by a private provider over which the government has no regulation. So we need to, that all needs to be looked at. We need to now come to a point and say, how do we provide better care going forward? How do we give people who are older control within their own lives and provide them the level of care that they need? We don't know in our lifetime, are we going to see another another pandemic? And, and, you know, and it's the thing that we're going to say, okay, you're only old people, you've no say, you don't matter, we'll show you a way that you won't see anybody and you'll die on your own. Do you think that a public inquiry would actually raise that issue and could actually shed light on that, that there was a policy not by nursing home staff, don't get me wrong but that in the, in the, in the bigger picture they were deemed to be elderly uh, beyond their best before date and therefore not as important as others Oh absolutely, Ireland is very ageist and I think that's right, very clear um, from care to everything else and I even think Age Action recently brought out um, research that showed that there was a, a high level of ageism in Ireland. Without doubt, you know, people who were older were denied the same access to medical care and they were denied the same access to have a say in any shape or form. Right. Like, you know, you would never think of bringing people who are COVID positive. If you were working in a children's hospital and you had children that were COVID positive, you would never think of sending them into um, a residential service for children. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was about to ask you that. That that did happen then. Did people who were um, moved from hospitals, elderly people, not always elderly, but moved from a hospital with COVID into yeah. a nursing home? Thousands of people were moved from hospital right. into a nursing home. I, I, couldn't, were, I could never get my head around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just appears that it was just total crisis at the time. And, um, you know... It was just like wherever there's a spare bed, they were expecting a massive influx into the hospitals. So they, I suppose they they, they just went with, okay, we'll, we'll put these people into nursing homes and we'll free up the hospitals. But we absolutely no thought or care for the people that they were sending people into. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm keen to talk to one or two others with the little amount of time that I have, Magella. But if people want to get in touch, you know, and, and have you know, unanswered questions themselves. You're, you're welcoming, because you say that there were 3,000 concerns raised throughout COVID. There should be 3,000 different families advocating on behalf of loved ones. There must be others out there who want their voices heard, yeah? Oh, absolutely. And we would find that all the time. And, you know, people who died in hospital had often had the same experience as those in nursing homes. Um, and I think that's important. I think they get lost in our campaign because we're always nursing homes because of the high debt toll 
in nursing homes. But families who lost loved ones in hospitals would have a very similar experience. And we would be including them in our families. Like many of our families are also hospital families. But it is important for anyone who feels they need connection. Yeah. You know, we have a, a private love group uh, where families can connect and talk yeah. to each other and support each other. And anybody who has been bereaved during that period, it's very, you know, grief and COVID is very different to any yeah. other grief. Um, and how can they get in touch? We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, and you can email Care Champions at carechampionsireland at gmail.com. Okay, talk again soon, Majella. Thank you for that. So um, a lot of contact then can be made, certainly on Facebook and Twitter. Care Champions would be the search words. Um, I won't get time to do this uh, very harrowing uh, email, actually, not unrelated to what I'm talking about. But I want to talk to, uh, I want to, talk to Valerie. Valerie, good morning. Hi, how are you? Um, Again, this is the care of the elderly and the care of our mothers and our fathers and elderly brothers and sisters and what have you. Your own story involved your your mam, was it Sheila? It was, yeah. Yeah. And she had a fall. Um, what, what, what was the story behind it? She had a fall in the kitchen? She did. She she fell in our kitchen. Um, now, previous to this, uh, many years ago, she had keyhole surgery for two blood clots on her brain. And after the surgery, she suffered a mild stroke. So her balance would, uh, have, been, would so have been great anyway, I'd imagine. It, it wasn't great, no. Yeah. Um, so her left leg was always kind of weak, so that particular night she just wanted to make a bit of food for herself and she just walked uh, to the oven but slipped, the leg went from under <sighs> and she completely sliced the back of her head wide open. It was like nothing I've ever seen. Uh, and I know it was off the edge of the oven, that's right. Yeah, the edge of the oven, a, yeah. It would have been a bad wound, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she's blind as well. So there was a, a lot of a lot of blood and she's on blood thinner, so she bled very badly. She wasn't alone in the house, was she? No, no. Myself and my brother were here. Okay. So you called an ambulance? We did, and we were waiting forty minutes and all the while she was bleeding, she was losing colour in her face. We went through tea towel after tea towel after tea towel and um they eventually came. They bandaged her up. She was still bleeding through the bandage. Uh, she had to go on her own, obviously, because of COVID. Um, and then she got there about nine o'clock at night and she wasn't seen by a doctor until five in the morning. I, mean, uh, I would have thought, so, thought that would have been a very serious emergency now, yeah, not to be left nine And it was hours. a big, opened, really open wound. And of course, this was, was really at a time big. when she would have been in A&D on her own. On her own, yeah. 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 So she eventually got 14 staples into her head. But my brother went to collect her in a taxi because none of us drive. And she came out with her hair matted to her head in blood. Why wouldn't she kept in? They, they said there's no need. They were like, she's conscious. They asked her, you know, all the questions like what year it is, all this. So they were like, no need to keep her in. So they um, sent her home yeah, with the 14 staples with the hair method. And I asked her, I said, why didn't they wash your hair? And this, she said, they said, because of COVID. She could have very easily lost a lot of her hair because it was that bad. So you, yeah, you, so, I mean, you have to deal with that then, don't you? But how do yeah, you, I'm her hair. Somebody, you know, how do you wash somebody's hair when they've got... 14 staples yeah, in their head. Yeah, that's hard. So I had to go in and, in and around the staples with a cotton bud to clean the blood. 
off the head and then bit by bit wash the hair then. I have to say, I would have thought that would all have been done. I, you know, I'm open to correction on it, but one moment I think that it would have been, you know. Yeah, exactly. And a year before that, she had the exact same fall in the same spot and broke her hip. How is she now? Uh, she's she's okay. Um, she can't get around very well. But I think that's a mixture of the surgery from years ago and breaking the hip as well. Yeah, it's hard to come back from that, isn't it? Broken hip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it leaves a lot to be desired, the quality of our health care at any time. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 Okay, thanks for that, Valerie. I agree with your callers on the air recently, particularly one who was on um, just before midday. I think it's probably maybe on Tuesday. Some GPs are nothing short of a disgrace and let their patients down when they need them. My 89-year-old mother was in a nursing home for over a year. The staff there were lovely. She had a fall and had to go to A&E. She was in a trolley for four days. One of us was able to stay with her and we discovered she had pneumonia and a mild heart attack and we were told that the outlook wasn't good. They gave her IV antibiotics and sent her back to the nursing home to be comfortable. The home did put in a request for a morphine pump so it would be accessible should she need it. But the email was never answered by the GP. She then slowly started to deteriorate and two weeks later, the home felt that she was dying. So one of us stayed with her all of the time, day and night. Um, remember this now, she went from a nursing home into the hospital scenario, it had a fall and had to go to A&D. The home put in a request from the morphine pump. Um, so the home felt she was dying, so one of us stayed with her all of the time, day and night. The pump was requested a second time. Uh, for six days, she started to fade and was very agitated, very upset and calling out and shouting. She didn't know what she was doing, uh, but she felt so, so bad. The staff at the nursing home were amazing, but they can only give her the medication that's prescribed by the GP overseeing the home. We were begging them to give her something to relax. She got worse and worse, shouting, crying, twisting, turning. She was that upset. One day, a Saturday, she was so agitated that the staff on call were themselves very upset. The morphine pump was requested again, over the phone this time. The nurse rang the GP, explained the situation, asked him to ring Marymount to get a pump sent over. He said no. He was in Dublin and he would ring them on Monday. She appealed to him again and again and he repeated no. Mum eventually got the pump on Monday evening after a very tough few days. She passed away on the Thursday after two peaceful days. This was two months ago and all we think of when we look back is of her shouting and screaming and twisting and turning because of how she was feeling. My mother did not deserve to die like that. And that by email to neil at redfm.ie. Heartbreaking. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. In spite of people wanting to help, uh, an interesting text. Neil, will you please give it a rest? We're looking after every nationality in this bloody country except our own. We have plenty of Irish homeless dying in the streets from cold and hunger. And we're looking after every nationality except our own. I'm changing the radio stations. Won't be listening to you again. And I imagine that that text was actually motivated by me giving out information about the Turkey-Syria earthquake appeal drop-off points. I, I'm, I'm sure that's what it was. I, I, hope I'm, I, hope I'm, I hope I'm wrong, but I think that's the reason why that texter is angry. How could you be angry about trying to get aid and try to put out details of an appeal uh, to help a community 
or a country or two countries that have been devastated by an earthquake. Anyway, for those that do want to help, um, there are some drop-off points. It's, it's been difficult. Uh, it, I've found it a lot more coordinated in the past with other appeals. This one is is kind of very hit or miss to try and get information together. But thanks to those, and thank you to Claire for putting it together. Icott College on Drynan Street, that's near Sober Lane off Sullivan's Key. That's one of the drop-off points. Nosta, the restaurant and cafe on Marlborough Street. Morgan's Daybreak and Post Office on the Tremor Road. Mehmet's Turkish Barbers in Tool, Kusadasi Barbers in Carrigal all of the Turkish barbers all over the city know each other so drop it into any one of them they'll pass it on and I'll tell you what's needed as well Little Island Community and Sports Complex is open for uh, drop-offs Middleton GA Club until 7pm um, today from half three to seven o'clock today and tomorrow from half nine until half three Middleton GA Club the Douglas Post newspaper at the Douglas Community Centre on Church Road Alton and moving and storage and ovens are taking donations um, and uh, can I just say the items that are needed now I did hear this morning uh, that somebody in Drynan Street when they brought in clothing they were told that they're not taking clothing anymore they say that um, they're full and they've got as much clothing as they can deal with but besides that there are other things needed like baby food and baby baby formula, new baby bottles and nappies and diapers and hygiene products and sanitary pads and non-perishable foodstuffs like canned food and what have you, tents, mattresses for tents, blow-up ones, you know, blankets, sleeping bags, vacuum flasks, um, um, and, and for those that are still taking clothing, winter clothing, coats, jackets, raincoats, boots, jumpers, trousers, gloves, scarves, woolly hats, socks and underwear. So that's as much as I can do on it today. Uh, but undoubtedly, sadly, that death toll will continue to rise. Uh, and also the various agencies, the aid agencies, a typical example would be Trocra, are asking for money. Uh, and if you did want to uh, give and donate some money, you'll find your own favourite charity, whoever that might be, online. And obviously you'll be able to, in this digital world we live in, be able to pay and contribute digitally. Our lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone and 0818104106. And some people like to send emails, and that's fine, particularly if it's a, if it's a lengthy story or indeed some of the very sad stories we've been hearing with regards to nursing homes. You can email neil at redfm.ie. Most importantly, have a good day and I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.